Blog Talk Radio. Gonna break the chains, wash away our yesterday. So now we're gonna ride the storm to find what we've been waiting for. Just let go. are breaking the chains and washing away their yesterday. They are flying high like Superman. The stars have aligned above them in every way. And this 2020 season of absolute positivity continues to be just what the doctor ordered for a Canes program that suffered through the exact opposite of fate in 2019. It comes down to even this week, where a dangerous Wake Forest team 
was waiting on the schedule, has now been replaced by a Duke squad that has allowed 56 points in each of its last two games. Yes, sometimes everything does go right, including Miami rising to number nine in the rankings despite not playing the last two weeks, though the college football playoff committee did just release its own rankings tonight and placed the Canes at number 10. The Canes have the right kind of resume, though, as bowl season approaches and Miami eyes an Orange Bowl date with the loser of the SEC championship game that is expected to be between Alabama and Florida. Is it the Hurricanes' time to reestablish a presence on the national stage? We'll talk about all of that more tonight as we begin a new edition of Kane Sport Live, presented this evening by JFQ Lending, your full-service mortgage provider licensed in more than 40 states. Hello again, everybody. I'm Gary Furman, the publisher of Canesport.com, and we welcome you once again to Canesport Live. As always, this is your show. It'll be driven by your participation. The call-in number is 563-999-3550. That's 563-999-3550. You know the drill by now. You hit the number one. It puts you in the queue. You come on the show in the order that you land in the queue. Over 100 open phone lines, plenty of room for everybody to call in and participate. So we encourage you to do so. And we always love to hear from first time callers. We once again ask the subscribers at canesport.com to post the topics and questions that they would like to hear discussed on tonight's show. And we will address those as we move forward during the course of the evening. So before we get to your calls, I had a chance to touch on a couple of pertinent subjects this week with coordinators Rhett Lashley and Blake Baker. The Eric King obviously came to Miami with the intent of building a resume for the National Football League. First, I asked Lashley to talk about King's progress at Miami, how he has improved, and how it might impact his future as the NFL scouts look at him with a fine-tooth comb. Yeah, I, mean, I think it's a great question. Um, you know, Coach Diaz kind of heads up and handles all the, you know, talking to a lot of the, you know, representatives in that regard. I mean, people I've talked to, I know Derek is held in high regard and very well respected among, um, you know, everybody that is involved in the process of going to the, the next level. Um, that definitely is a goal of his. I think he's uh, done a really good job for us this year. Um, have not really got too in-depth in those talks with him just because we're still in the middle of our season. And, uh, you know, in fairness to him and our football team, that's really our focus. And it's weird that uh, we've kind of had it interrupted for three weeks and we still got three games left here as we basically start December. But um, I think Derek would be the first to tell you that's really what we're focused on now. And hopefully three or four weeks from now that that conversation could maybe strike up. But um, I think it's a goal of his. I think he's definitely more than uh, capable. And, um, you know, obviously finishing strong at the end of the season is probably the most important thing. How has he improved since, uh, you know, the first day you worked with him? And, you know, how do you feel he's gotten better this year? Yeah, I think probably um, just getting comfortable with what we're doing. And, you know, he and I, uh, you know, working and, and kind of thinking together and thinking more alike. And um, I think everything helps. Um, you know, Derek, Derek's always been able to throw a good deep ball. Uh, the first three or four games of the year we struggled. But I think that was we were struggling more than he was struggling. And, um, I think as we got more on the same page with him and the wideouts, we got better at it. Uh, obviously, there's concern when you have three weeks off. 
you know, we've got to do our best to try to kind of get that rhythm going again. Um, but, you know, I think sometimes the, the the quarterback, you know, bears a little bit of that brunt early in the season when things aren't going well, but it was kind of a team deal. I think he's he's been much more accurate, very efficient. Um, I think he just understands what defenses are trying to do to him and to us and, and does a good job of just, you know, kind of taking what they're giving us and not trying to force things. He's He's done a really good job of protecting the football thus far, which has given us a chance to win pretty much every week. And then on the other side of the ball, NFL draft projections have started popping up, and we're seeing Quincy Roche receiving a lot of attention, not as a defensive end, which is obviously what he's playing as a hurricane, but as a linebacker. And I started thinking about it, and it conjured up memories of Anthony Ciccolo, who also obviously played mostly defensive end at Miami and had an okay career. You know, nothing like totally off the charts, but then went to the National Football League and play and became a linebacker, and he's still in the league. So obviously that ended up being the right move, and I know a lot of you guys on the message boards and stuff were debating whether Chicolo should have been a linebacker all along as a hurricane, and it, and it comes up from time to time in those conversations about player development and things like that. So um, it made me wonder about what skill set the pros are seeing in that regard. And also why uh, Blake Baker and Manny Diaz made the decision to utilize Roche as a defensive end this year. Um, If you think about it, the team could not have been more in need of linebackers. You know, uh, there were a couple other defensive ends that that maybe could have worked into the rotation. So I don't think it was like they didn't have options. So I had a chance to ask Baker about that a little bit. And uh, here's what he said was looking at some NFL draft projections and I noticed that the the next level is looking at Quincy Roche a lot as a linebacker and I wanted to get your opinion on what skills are you seeing that you think is inspiring that and what went into the decision by you guys to utilize him as a defensive end as opposed to a linebacker I think, um, you know, the, the, the part about using him at defensive end, I think, you know, that's where he's most comfortable uh, at. That's what he played at, at Temple. And, um, you know, it's it's funny how the NFL sometimes labels linebackers or outside linebackers who are really just defensive ends, um, you know, in a 4-3 scheme compared to a 3-4 scheme. So I think sometimes that kind of gets – those two positions overlap a lot, I would say. Um, and I could definitely see Quincy, you know – going to a 3-4 and, and being a, a super productive outside linebacker. Um, you know, he's a guy that, that really flourishes, and, and um, when he drops into zone, you know, we don't utilize him that much um, in that in that department. But I know at, at Temple he did drop more often, especially on, on third down. They, they kind of uh, dropped him in a little honey hole. But um, I also think he has incredible instincts. He, he could be a – he could be a guy instinctively that does slide inside to an inside linebacker position because his instincts uh, are really, really, um, really good. So I could see, I could see him being really productive at either one of those positions, but, you know, and, and, in our defense with a four, four down front and um, something we pride ourselves on is getting after the passer. He definitely checks all those boxes when it comes to getting after the quarterback. So that's something for all of us to look forward to here in the, in the in the coming months to see you know where Quincy Roche gets drafted and then how he goes on 
into the National Football League and what kind of linebacker he becomes should it play out that way and that be the position where they decide to try him out as a pro. All right, so that sets the table for tonight's show. Uh, one thing I'm really looking forward to in our 9 o'clock hour is our point-counterpoint segment. And um, Bruce Warner and myself are going to be joined tonight by Leon Searcy, who's going to come on and talk a little bit and take some questions potentially about um, his new book that has come out called Fourth and Dam, which I have not had the chance to read yet, but uh, from what I've heard has a lot of like really cool stories. And um, Leon's been through a lot in his life. I mean, he, he went from being the highest paid offensive lineman in the National Football League to being broke. And so many of us see that happen to athletes through the years. It's, ha- it's happened to other hurricanes in the past. Um, unfortunately, some of these kids just don't have the guidance and aren't prepared for what they're going to find when they get to the pro level and they're not pre- prepared to handle the dollars that are involved in that. And um, it's not always, you know, we've seen so many great stories. Obviously we have hall of famers that have come through Coral Gables and things along that line, but not all the stories end the same way. And um, I think it's going to be really neat tonight to, to hear Leon talk a little bit about his journey, what inspired him to write a book about it and maybe share a couple of the, the better stories with you guys. And um, if you're interested in getting that book, it's available um, at amazon.com. You can you know go there. It's called um, uh, fourth and dam. So uh, you could find it pretty easily on Amazon and um, read about career and life of, uh, of Leon Searcy. All right, so let's get out to your calls. The number, 563-999-3550, 563-999-3550. You hit the one on your keypad if you would like to come on the show. And let's go out now to the 941, where I believe the Meister Kane awaits us in the number one spot. I know a few guys right now that are seething over that because they – they uh, messaged me throughout the day and told me that they had every intention of being number one this evening. And uh, the Mikester Kane was not one of them. So, Mikester, you're the man once again. Welcome back to Kane Sport Live. How are you doing tonight? Oh, it's great to be back, Gary. How are you doing, bud? Doing good, doing good. Been a little boring without games, you know, to the last few weeks. I but know. Uh, tell me about it. <laughs> I don't tell me about it. I mean, look, Clemson and Notre Dame are going to play each other for the for the ACC title game, I mean, we're locked out. I don't think there's going to be any hope for that. But uh, anyway, yeah, but you know what, Mike, sir, that's that, that that's the right two. Those are clearly the two best teams in the, that are playing in the ACC this year. Oh no, well, without a doubt, Gary, without a doubt. So anyway, let's start off with a couple questions for you. There's a five-star linebacker that decommitted from Tennessee, uh, Terrence Smith, or Terrence Terrence Lewis. Oh, Terrence Lewis. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Are they going to try to push hard and see if they can land that kid, land him or not? What, what well, they have been. They, they have been pushing hard. And okay. uh, I don't think they're going to win. I, I, I think that uh, right now it's looking to us like he's going to go to Texas A&M or Auburn. Um, has never, you know, never really wanted to stay here. Uh, you know, I, there were some issues earlier in his, in his high school time. He's bounced around schools, and I think Miami dropped him for a while, and justifiably so. 
you know, right now they're trying to get the, the program turned around. And you, the last thing you want to do is, is start bringing kids into the, you know, you just, you feel like you're starting to get your culture straightened out a little bit. This has been a really good year this year. And the last thing I think you want to do is, is start bringing in recruits that are, you know, could potentially disrupt that or could be getting in trouble, you know, things like that. So, um, you know, they, they passed early on him and as he's kind of reestablished himself, they kind of softened on that a little bit. And I think right now, if he wanted to come to Miami, that they would, they would take him, but that doesn't appear to be the case to us right to right now. Unless, so unless something changes, I think he's going to Texas A&M or Auburn. Oh, okay. All right. Well, we'll pass up on that one then. And also, I heard they're still in the picture for Jake Garcia. Have you heard anything about that? Yeah, that's. I, I we think that's a bad rumor. Um, we okay. the information that we're getting on that it, it does not indicate that that's ever really been a, as live a possibility as maybe some some down here have hoped it would be. Um, I think Jake Garcia, you know, he, he's a, he's a crafty kid now, and you know, I think he's keeping his options open. You know, in the event that there was a coaching staff change at USC, um, right? But, but USC, I think, is three and zero right now. So, uh, you know, I, I don't think that there's any dismay with the coaches right now at USC. It's it's looking like the staff's going to stick, and they're recruiting well, and you know, mm-hmm. on track to make mm-hmm. it to the Pac championship game. So, I would say the chances of, of Jake Garcia flipping to Miami are very very slim. Very, very slim. Okay. Speaking of coaching yep. change, uh, I'm also hearing about a uh, possible uh, candidate for Rhett Lashley of Vanderbilt. What's uh, what's the situation with that? My instinct is that that will yeah. not happen. You know, I, I, I think I think Rhett maybe is just a notch below the line to land that kind of job in the SEC. Uh you know, I think it's going to probably take a few more years, but, but then again, you never know, you know, I mean, I mean, look what happened here. I mean, you know, Manny Diaz, right place, right time lands the Miami job. And, uh, you know, we've seen other coaches also that you would might not have expected. And, and, you know, maybe they take a look at the impact that he's made at Miami, which is undeniable. I mean, and I think a lot of people have obviously noticed that, and, you know, maybe he does, but, but if, if I had to go make a bet right now, it would be that Rhett Lashley's back at Miami next year. Right, right. Oh, your thoughts on uh, Derek King, too. Is he going to return? Any, any uh, What's up with that, too? I would be surprised. I mean, return to do what? You know, I, I, he's having a good year. Uh, I, I think he's, you know, showing his – the capabilities that he has and I'm expecting him to go into the draft. Uh, you know, it, it, it's not like he's going to be that much better of a player 12 months from now. Uh, yeah. I just don't see it. Like now, unless he looks at it from the standpoint of, you know what, I don't think I'm going to have a long career in the national football league and my education's important to me. And I can sit here and get another, I can continue to build my free education as a graduate student, right. maybe at Miami and, 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 and just keep keep stacking diplomas on top of diplomas or, you know, I mean, if he looks at it from that standpoint, then maybe he does decide to go back. But if he's looking at seeing if he can have a football career, 
I just I don't right. I mean as much as we all would love to see him come back, I just don't know what he would have yeah. to gain. I mean, all right, so maybe he's a little bit more serious of a Heisman contender next year, but you know, we're lo- we're going to lose some pretty good talent on the defensive side of the ball and you know, I don't know, no, you know, I don't know, you know. I don't I I don't know. I mean, if, if again, if I had to make a bet on it right now, it would be that he goes and tests the waters he goes. in in the draft. That he goes along with Brevin Jordan, of course. Brevin I mean, Jordan, I don't think is anywhere close to his clear cut. I really don't. Brevin Jordan's done nothing this year. I mean, of any, yeah, you know, I mean, he's caught a, he's caught a few balls here and there, obviously, you know, but like he has not established himself as a dominant football player. I I I I think he needs to come back. But he's been injured, of course. I would feel bad for Will. Yeah, no, I understand, but. That you know, yeah. that, but that but being injured has kept him from building a resume, and he's been injured a lot. And I think he's got to show that he can get through a football season and play consistently well every week. And you know, if yeah. he did, if he does come back, that's not great mm-hmm. for Will Mallory, who who needs the showcase because I think Will Mallory is a really good tight end and has been underutilized really this year. But uh, yeah, you know, we'll see what we'll see what happens there. I mean, maybe we've seen guys be predisposed to doing this before. Um, but I don't yeah. think he would he would be a first or he might not even make the second round if he goes out this year. Right. Yeah, I kind of figured you would say that. But I'll tell you who's going to be great stars in the future is uh, Jalen Knight and, and Don Chaney. Oh, my gosh, those guys are beasts. I mean, they're beasts. But anyway, um, also, I heard that uh, LSU got a got a decommit from uh, Jalen Lee. Uh, any thoughts of Miami possibly pursuing him, or are they going to let that go? Uh, we have not heard that they're involved there. Not at this point. Okay. Now, what about uh, offering uh, five stars uh, strong defensive end Corey Foreman? Anything on that? No, no, that, uh, that I think, you know, Clemson's been in the driver's seat there for a long time. Uh, I know, I think USC is in the picture there. I know Oregon's in the picture there. Uh, Miami has never been involved there. Also, I got a question on a couple of offensive linemen. What about uh, uh, Tristan Lay from Virginia and Bryce Foster? I think he's from Texas. He's He's a guard, big guard. Like 328 pounds or something like that. Any thoughts or uh, situation on that one? Uh, I do think that they are looking for another offensive lineman. Uh, the The name yeah. that we've heard is Austin Barber out of Jacksonville. He's been he's been talking to to Coach Justice, and from what we've heard, he's waiting until February to decide. Um, Okay. There's all, it's also not certain that he's going to get an offer yet. So that's the only other offensive lineman that we know of right now that, that, that really is in the picture. Oh, okay. There was a wide receiver I was going to ask about, too. It's on the tip of my tongue, and I can't think of it. He's in IM, I think he's in IMG Academy. I can't think of his name. Ja'Cory Brooks? <laughs> you yeah, talking about Ja'Cory Brooks? Yeah, we, it, there's no signs that he's going anywhere but Alabama. Oh, really? Okay, so that's pretty yeah. much dead in the water. Yeah. All righty. All right, Mike. Gary. All right, I just wanted to do that to get the show started, and I'll let you go and uh, get some other callers on the air, all right? All right, Have Mike. Thanks for being part of it, as always. 
right, 563-999-3550, 563-999-3550. You hit the number one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Let's see who's up next. Who made the number two spot? This looks like our man James. Welcome back to Kane Sport Live. Hey, what's up, Gary? See, I know all the, see, I know all, I know all the phone numbers now. You know, we've been doing this for so long. <laughs> That's true. I but but I but but I swear I I don't I never bother you during the week, right, James? I've never I've never and called you. That that is correct. Even though I'd love to talk Kane's football with you anytime you ever want to call, so please. All right, so. I'll keep that in mind. You know, if I'm ever just if I'm if I'm ever just sitting around and you know I'm tired of all these shows that the wife has me watching, I'm gonna say, you know what? I'm gonna pick up the phone and I'm gonna call James and talk some Canes. I'll remember that. <laughs> uh, that that'd be that'd be fun to do one night if we were both bored. Um, a couple things here I wanted to ask you because, and I know it's really early. Are you kind of surprised? With how I mean, we we've talked about it at the beginning of the year with how you know this is kind of like maybe a year that's a wash across the board because you don't really have fans in the stands, revenue with teams and things like that. Are you surprised this many coaching changes have been made by some of these programs and there's still some coming in? And I'm going to get somewhere with that uh, once you answer my question. You're saying, am I surprised that there are or not going to be a lot of coaching changes? Uh, no, no, that there are, that there are, despite with all the, 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 with everything going on right now, you know, with like how uh, the revenues are not really coming in with not having fans in the stands and things like that. Like, are you surprised by this? Because this was the kind of a year where people were going to get extra eligibility, you know, things like that. I mean, I, you know, some of these programs, like, you know, like a Vanderbilt, for example, they're you know they're nowhere. You know, I I, I don't think they their their buyout was probably really big, and it, it, you know it's not they're not taking this giant leap by changing coaches. A school like Michigan with like a Harbaugh would be, um, you know, a school like Texas with a Herman probably would be. So you know I don't know I don't I you know I would be surprised. Yeah, I think it's hard when you ask people to take pay cuts when you furloughed people. When you've gone through all the revenue um, issues that all these schools have gone through under COVID, I, I think it's hard to justify paying all these millions of dollars of buyouts for football coaches. So I am not anticipating a lot of movement and a lot of changes in college football. Now, I know there have been a few, and maybe I end up being wrong on this, but I just, I just think it's a bad look. You know, and and I I do not anticipate there being a lot of it. Gotcha. I'm just curious because I mean, it seems like the rumors are that you know you look at Michigan every week and it's like, look how much money they're paying Harbaugh and he hasn't done anything uh, for them. And and you look at you know how much money Texas has thrown in Herman and they're still trying to find the answer down there. And I guess my question is, if if one of those programs was to make a move and and you know get rid of those two are there any prospects whatsoever either that could maybe be uh, grad transfers or recruits that we're looking at at either of those programs that might swing our way in positions of need that you think Gary? I don't I don't think so James and here's why if if they change coaches at, at one of those schools they're going to go get a big you know they're not changing coaches to just hire anybody uh, you know, like Texas, if they get rid of Tom Herman, it's going to probably be because they've been able to talk Urban Meyer into taking the job, for example. So, yeah, I mean, and if Urban Meyer's coming in, unless he's unless he's jettisoning kids, 
uh, you know, I don't think you're going to have a massive exodus out of the program. I mean, kids will be excited that Urban Meyer is now coming in, you know, just like all the fans would be. So, you know, we'll see how it all plays out. I'm not anticipating that. I, I do think that they'll dip into the transfer portal again and get a couple guys to kind of fortify the team. But I think it's a pipe dream. If we expect yep. them to c- continue to keep getting the level of players in the transfer portal that they've gotten the last couple of years, I think the stars have kind of aligned, um, you know, with uh, Phillips and Bolden, uh, you know, having, you, you know, some ties to Brevin Jordan and things like that. And, uh, and you know, with Tate Martell originally being here and, um you know, I don't, you know, and and then, of course, you know, this year, obviously getting De'Ara King because of Lashley and things like that. Like, things just, like, perfectly have fallen into place, kind of like everything has this, this year. But I don't see that it being reality for us to be counting on the transfer portal to this degree to where our top five, six players came through the transfer portal. I mean, that's just not, to me, sustainable. Uh, and if it is sustainable, it means that we're not very good. So, you know, we'll, we'll see how it plays out. But I do think they'll, 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 they'll get a couple. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, now moving back to the Canes, uh, and I appreciate you talking about that because I was just kind of curious and wanting your thoughts and what you hear through the grapevines of talking with other writers and, and other people that cover other programs and so forth. So I appreciate that. Um, as far as the Canes go this season, you know, I, I think that you said that you were looking at maybe nine wins based on the original schedule. And, of course, we've now traded Wake Forest out for Duke. And, and it should be a victory this, this week. If we don't, there's something seriously wrong. But, you know, the team has been rusty. They haven't played. But I expect them to come out and kick some serious ass this week and get ready for the game that we've really circled all season long. And it's North Carolina to see, you know, how does – how do we match up with a team like that? Because realistically, this would be like for the Coastal. I know we really don't have a shot at the ACC championship per se, but realistically, this is the game that it was going to come down to anyway for the Coastal. And it kind of just shows where you're at if you're still the best in the Coastal or are you still like the second or third. And, uh, and I'm looking forward to that next week. But that being said, what, what are your thoughts, Gary, on the team so far, like the camaraderie? It, has the winning cured the things in the locker room? That, I know you're not really around it as much because of the COVID situation, but have you heard anything that the camaraderie is better this year than it has maybe been in the past couple of years and maybe cancer's not being in the locker room? Yeah, I mean, everything we hear is a total, complete reversal from last year on that front. And I think we, we see it in the product on Saturdays. Uh, you know, I mean, the, it gets a little cliche-ish at times, the way Manny talks about it. But, you know, we hear him referring to the togetherness and how they hang in there during games and how they play for each other in the fourth quarter and how much that's helped them get the results that they've gotten and things like that. Um and yeah, even though it, it, it's a little bit sappy or whatever, I mean, I, I think there's some legitimacy to it. I mean, they certainly haven't fallen apart. You haven't seen any signs that they are not wound together like like you would want to be. I think they've gone through a lot of adversity this year, obviously. And I think that people probably don't realize or give respect to the amount of stress that these kids have been under for several months now, just trying to stay away from COVID, uh, having to be afraid to be around their peers. Um, you know, obviously they're young guys. They want to be around girls and things like that. And, 
you know, it's been a lot of pressure, you know, and, and we've seen it, we've seen it break down here the last few weeks with a lot of guys on the team and a lot of people around the program getting COVID. And um, it kind of tells you that eventually it's going to catch up to you. It's again, it's going to get you. And, you know, that came for all those months to, to be as, as good with it as they were. I'm sure came with an enormous amount of stress, individual stress, collective stress. Um, you know, it has not been a normal season. They, they didn't train properly. You know, there were there. You didn't have spring practice. Uh, they haven't been developed uh, as they normally would have in a typical year. Uh, and maybe that's affected some individual performances and in games, not just for the Canes, but for the teams that the Canes are playing. And it's just been a very, very abnormal situation. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that every sign has been that, that everything's really good in the locker room. And, you know, we don't know of, too, of any real problems in there right now. And uh, that's a good thing. It is. It is. A um, couple last things, Gary. Um, it, it, with the uh, with the season, you know, we have this potential to finish out. You know, with with these next three games, winning them, uh, be a ten and one season, uh, absolute birth to the Orange Bowl. I would say no doubt. Um, with with a chance to play the Gators, how big would that be for the program to to finish? You know, moving forward. I'm, I'm thinking long term, not like a checkers move, but like a chess move that this program does you know finish out this season strong with this with, with winning these next three games plus maybe even beating florida in the orange bowl how big is that for the program and maybe does that i don't want to say that back crap yet but i'm just saying does it does it make them a contender and maybe legitimize manny um with the recruits maybe in the next few classes coming up and so forth especially with state uh, state straight bragging rights on the line as well well i think there's um you know, there's several layers to that to that question, and I mean to the answer to that question. And uh, would would a win over Florida in the Orange Bowl give Manny legitimacy? I think it would. Uh, I think it's the kind of legitimacy that he needs very badly. Uh, I think that uh, it's an opportunity. It, 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 it would be an opportunity, and you know. The worst thing that could happen is you go, you get your butt kicked like you did against Clemson, and, and you know that you still got miles to go to get the football team to the point where it's a true national contender, not you know not a pretend national contender, a true national contender. And and uh, so, so to me, that's the downside. That's the worst thing that happens is you find out what you already suspect, um, because I think we found that out in the Clemson game. Um, in this case, it would be a a glorified home game, so maybe it would it, it would make things a little bit more advantageous for the Canes in, in in that one. But you know, I think anybody that's watched the two teams play this year um, probably say that Florida's roster is probably a little bit better right now. But uh, I don't think that that necessarily means Miami can't be competitive. I mean, we found out a couple of years ago that. Miami was very competitive against Florida. Um, I think this Florida is better than that Florida, but uh, I think it would be the perfect way to end this season because it would give you a final exam. And I, I love, I love that idea of a final exam. And I, but I, you know, I don't think that it necessarily translates into anything next year because I think next year's team could have an entirely different look. You know, if you're talking about, you know, losing Phillips and Roche and, you know, King and, um, you know, maybe a couple other guys, we don't really know what they're all going to do, but, but 
you know, it, it, it's going to take, if you just lose King, it's going to take on a whole nother look. And if you, you know, then you add Phillips to that, who you, I think you're definitely going to lose. And, um, you know, it, 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 I don't think it applies. Like, I don't think what happens in the orange bowl would apply to next year. So I would be careful about projecting that. And I think we learned a little bit about that in 2017 when we started out 10 and 0. And the next year we came back and went seven and six. So, you know, there was no carryover, you know, from, from the success Mm -hmm. of 2017. Uh, To me, that's what will measure Manny Diaz. Uh, Not so much what he's done this year, but how he's able to build on what he's done this year. He's had a great year, made a lot of great moves. Uh, They've won some close games. Uh, They're in the top 10, uh, this year has been an absolute 100% win for Manny and every and 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 the program and everybody. Um, I think it's taken some of the pressure off Blake a little bit. You know, I, I mean, he there had to be a little a little you know not in his stomach the way last year went. And you know, I think he's been able to exhale a little bit. Uh, you know, I don't think there's any question that by putting this season together that Manny has bought himself security in his job uh, at a minimum for a few more years. I, I mean, I don't, I don't think it would even be in question and it's deserved. I mean, the guy made a, every, every move he made since last December has been a, a right move and a winning move. And he deserves a, a, a just a, a whole mountain load of credit, credit for that. So I hope I answered your question. I, I think no, that did. there's, you a, yeah, I, you know, I just think there's a lot of layers to it and there, there's no just one answer to one, you know, one thing. I think there's just different aspects involved there. And of course we have to do our part and win to even get to that point too, because as we, as we know, as years past things have happened that haven't quite worked out that way. One last point, Gary. Well, yeah, but you know what? I mean, I'm looking even, even like North Carolina, I mean, I'm expecting Miami to win handily this Saturday, the North Carolina game. I I personally think can go either way, but even a two loss Miami, I think would get the orange bowl bid over a three loss North Carolina team, you know, so we'll see. I think so too. I think so too. One last point, Gary. I agree with you that I think Miami uh, wins this uh, this Saturday pretty handily at Duke. Do you have any insight of who do you think would get the snaps if we're up pretty high and we take King out um, to maybe get that quarterback of the future ready for next year between uh, Kosi and Van Dyne? Who do you think it would be? Man, I'll tell you. I, I wish it would be Van Dyke. I, I mean, I, I feel Me like too. we know we know what Nikosi can do. You know, I, I mean, yeah. I would love to see Tyler Van Dyke for at least a quarter, quarter and a half. But I don't know. You know, I don't know what they're what they're going to do, and they're not going to tell us in advance. And uh, exactly. you know, I mean, who deserves to go in first? Nikosi. He's been the number two quarterback all year. But to me, yeah. I understand that he deserves to go in first because of that. But I think it's very important to see what Tyler Van Dyke looks like in a real football game. And we've seen a I lot agree. of what we've seen a lot of Nicosi in real football games. So, you know, and I don't think they're going to get the opportunity to do it against uh, North Carolina. I don't think they're going to get the opportunity to do it in the bowl game. They might get the opportunity if things go well against Georgia tech, if that game actually yep. even gets, even gets played. But uh, you know, I don't know. I, I would love to see them jump all over Duke who I just don't see what Duke is going to be playing for this weekend. Uh, so I expect Miami to win this game handily. I would love to see them get up enough to where they felt comfortable putting Van Dyke into the game just to see what he can do. 
Exactly. Because I'd rather. But I'm not going to predict it's going to happen. I won't predict no, it's going to exactly. happen, James. Yeah. Exactly. I just, I just, I just wish the staff, like, and I, and I agree with you, Gary. I just wish the staff would really take a hard look, appreciate what you've got. You've got Game Silva Perry. You know what he can do. But the truth of the matter is, if Rhett's going to be here next year, which I believe he will be, I really believe this staff needs to start looking. If Derek isn't going to come back, which it looks like he's not. Do you need to get this kid reps? Because realistically, if the schedule holds true, your first game is going to be against who I think is going to be the defending national champions, Alabama, next year. And that's not who you want him to go up against the first game. You know what I mean? Just for live game reps, per se. So, But anyway, Gary, love the show. Take care of yourself, bud. And uh, go Kings. All righty, James, thanks for being part of it. All right, 563-999-3550, 563 563- Nine 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 three five five zero is the number. Hit the one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. We're going to go out now to our Kane Sport managing editor Matt Shodell, who makes his regular visit to Kane Sport Live. And uh, Matt, what's on your mind this week? How have you, you have you enjoyed the last uh, few weekends? To I don't know, eat stone, <laughs> I guess eat stone crabs or whatever, and uh, chill out. I mean, I mean, a couple of trips out getting some stone crabs, but I mean, it's it's nice to have some football to cover and to watch. So at least we're back in that routine. I mean, it's a little weird, you know, it's just been a weird year. Well, you know, I guess you won't get mad at me if I share this story. It was kind of funny, and I, you know, was sitting there. I think I think it was a Saturday afternoon watching, watch, trying, you know, watching a little football and. Uh, my phone goes off, and I see this picture of Matt on a boat with a stone crab that literally was almost as big as him. Like, I have never seen a stone crab in my life as big as this thing. And, you know, Matt likes to go out and, you know, fish for these for these guys every now and then. And uh, I got to give you credit, man. That was, that was a monster. I know, I know you didn't have to do a lot of work to get it, but, like, wow. I mean, this thing literally was th- – I mean, I'm trying to figure out, like, as big as a cat, would you say, Matt? Like, like a grown cat? Like, like it was, it was a big it was stone like, crab. It was, like the size of, it was like the size of Vince Wilfork's bicep muscle. It was pretty big. Yeah. So yeah I don't I take mean, pictures of stone crabs ever. And that was, uh, when, you, when, when I take a picture of stone crab, you know it's like a, <laughs> it's like a different species. You know, it was crazy. Yeah, it was really bad. Well, I, I think we could say it was a monster stone crab. That is fair to say. Like for those of you that eat stone crabs, I would say the claws were not colossal; they were double colossal. How about that? <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. All right, so Hurricanes—they um, lose Wake Forest and they pick up Duke. And I talked about it at the beginning of the show, and I just saw that as a continuation of the fortunes that they've found this whole year because uh, I was, you know, a few weeks ago, I would have said that the Wake Forest game was a trap. Like I, I, when I watched Wake Forest this year, I was impressed with their effort. They had some, uh, a a very good offense. They could score points and they played just incredibly hard. And uh, I thought they were going to give Miami a a very hard game at at home. And I don't feel Duke is going to be as positioned to do so, even though Duke has beaten the Canes two years in a row now. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, look, Wake, Wake Forest had had sort of been on a roll, you know. I mean, they beat Virginia pretty easily, beat Virginia Tech, which is number 19, beat Syracuse, and then almost beat North Carolina, which is a pretty good team. Um, so, yeah, I don't think that was going to be an easy game at all. Um, at the same time, I sort of would have liked to see Miami play Wake Forest because, you know, you, you sort of need to get a gauge on, on where you're at. I mean, um, you know, beating Virginia Tech by one point, barely beating NC State, you know, barely beating Virginia, 
there's there's just you know still some question marks like that you're not quite sure what you have a a really convincing win against Wake Forest you know might have really helped Miami you know not just you know for Miami fans but sort of nationally like to say hey you know this is the kind of win Miami needs because look beating Duke by 30 or 40 points no one's going to say oh wow you know Miami's really looking good but you beat Wake Forest pretty handily. People will say, man, you know, this team's really developing. Manny Diaz and those guys have this thing rolling. They're looking really good at the end of the season. Because let's face it, the biggest criticism that Miami's gotten in recent years is they fade at the end of the year right around now, right? And, mm-hmm. and there would have been nothing better than beating a, a pretty good Wake Forest team handily. You beat Duke, no one's going to bat an eyelash, you know? I mean, they'll still have one more chance against North Carolina, um, which is obviously a good team, but not a great record. Um, but, you know, you beat North Carolina handily, at least that's something to hang your hat on. But then that might be it. You know, I don't know if that Georgia Tech game is going to happen. Uh, and then you just have a bowl game. So it would have been nice to have a couple of tougher games at the end of the year, just so Miami and Manny Diaz could really say, look, you know, to recruits and fans, like, look what we did. You know, we, we had a, a tough situation. Um, yes, we had some close games against, you know, maybe average ACC teams, but we finished strong against a couple of really good ACC teams, which would have really, to me, been a, a huge uplifting thing heading into next year. Now you're playing a bad Duke team, maybe a bad Georgia Tech team, and then a North Carolina team that, you know, has had some ups and downs. So it, it's not ideal. I, I, I personally would rather they played Wake Forest. I don't know if they look at it as a blessing or not. <laughs> I guess if you want a good record, it's a blessing. But to me, it's, it's you know, I, I don't enjoy games where you're supposed to win by, you know, 15, 20, or 30 points. Like, I, I like competitive games where Miami can beat a good team or has a chance to beat a good team um, and sort of show what they're all about. Uh, three weeks without a game, do you think that affects them? I don't see how it can't. Um, you know, I mean, it, it's just – it's such a strange – season and we really haven't gotten an answer from coaches about what kind of shape the team's in all we know is that Manny Diaz said players are still going to be missing in the game all we know is that the strength coach David Feely is sort of saying that guys did what they're supposed to do at home on their own (laughs) which they're college students you know I don't know how hard they really worked or didn't work you know um without without you know without necessarily knowing there was going to be another game even at that point I mean there was such a big outbreak on the team um so I don't think we'll really know until Saturday, uh, you know, what's going on and and how this, you know, shutdown for two to three weeks really affects the team. Um, you know, it's just to me, it's still an unanswered question. I don't think we can say, oh, it's not going to be a big effect or, oh, it's going to be a big effect because they're not really sharing information on exactly what they did. I mean, I spoke to David Feely for half an hour. And I couldn't get out of him, like, exactly what he was asking kids to do, other than the fact that he sent them, you know, plans what they should do, not, oh, I checked with them and they all were doing it, or, oh, you know, they're doing great, you know. I mean, he's talking about, you know, GPS monitors that are telling him that they're in great shape, but I I don't think a kid running 20 miles an hour tells you he's going to be able to play 70 snaps on Saturday. So we'll have to wait and see. Uh, Manny kind of indicated that they were going to get guys back potentially in stages this week. It wasn't going to all be everybody was here today and yesterday and, and was practicing the entire week, that different guys would be coming back at different times during the week, and that was if they passed their tests and things like that. So um, that's a little bit of a subplot. They are still dealing with COVID and and um, managing that as they prepare for the game, but uh, fortunately it's it's not – the North Carolina game that they're trying to do it. It's the Duke game. So that should help them a little bit. Uh, Matt, we're, we are 
two weeks away from the early signing period, and I, I know you know you spend a lot of time talking to these kids. And uh, I mean, what a bizarre recruiting year! No official visits. Uh, you know, I, I I know the the bulk of the class is local, and so the, you know the kids have over multiple years built up relationships with most of the staff. So that you know that's a good thing, I I, I think. But uh, in general. It's just, you know, been the strangest of recruiting years to cover for us. And, um, you know, your overall thoughts on just how it's gone. And um, do you think Miami should be happy with the class that they have been able to put together? Oh, yeah. No, I think this class is really, really good. I mean, look, I'm not a big guy into rankings and star systems and all that. I think they're ranked like 11th right now. But, you know, they're pretty much hitting the numbers they want, the quality they want, which is, which is what I look for. What I, what I don't like to see in a recruiting class, and again, forget the rankings and all that, what you don't want to see is these like, late offers being thrown out at numerous positions, right? which has happened in the past. That's when you get your plan B, plan C guys, like, oh my gosh, I thought we were going to get this guy, and now we're not. We've got to just find another guy you know, to fill a spot. You're not seeing that in this class, which is good. They have 21 commitments. They dropped one of them, which who they thought you know, wasn't going to fit in and, and be able to play at Miami. So from 22 to 21, there might be another one that drops off. Um, you know, so we'll have to see what it, what happens there. Um, of course, that's Savion Collins. But uh, you know, notwithstanding, you got twenty, you know, to twenty-one solid commits, and they've been committed for a while, and they're not wavering. Which the shutdown actually helps with that, because you know we've seen so many kids take visits, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of drama, which I know fans like, but it's not really good for the program or for the coaches. So having this many solid commits to the positions they want, and you don't see a lot of these, you know, real Plan B and C guys coming out of the woodwork. I mean, there's been a, 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 I think three of them at cornerback, but that was after they basically decided one of their cornerbacks they had committed they couldn't really use him because he was just not what they wanted. Um, so you know we'll, we'll have to see what happens. I mean, if, if they can add another quality cornerback, maybe even two cornerbacks, that would be huge. Uh, there's a chance you know maybe to add a Terrence Lewis, although you know not looking that likely right now, but you never know. Um, Mason Smith and out of the picture with the top rated recruit in the entire country. I mean, that's something right there. So they're still taking their shots at the end and, um, and, you know, we'll see what happens. I mean, it, it's a good enough situation right now where they got an offensive lineman named Austin Barber out of Jacksonville, uh, who I think wants to come to Miami. He's just waiting to see if they have room for him. You know, this is a former Minnesota claim and I know he doesn't have a ton of offers, but it's a sign that, you know, Miami isn't just basically throwing out offers. You know, they don't have a lot of spots. They got guys they wanted, and that's all you can ask for. Well, you know, as you know, every week we, you know, we ask the posters at canesport.com to submit questions for the show. And one of the ones that came in this week was asking about whether the recruiting class is good enough and the amount of talent on paper. Is it a good enough class to win championships? That was the gist of the question. And that made me sit, you know, take a step back and take a little bit of a closer look, uh, you know, and, you know, when I look at the, the rivals 250, for example, um, Miami has two commits in the top 100, uh, number 19, James Williams, number 39, Leonard Taylor. Um, so really two in the top 50. And that is, that is way better than Miami has been doing lately like most of these guys from south florida who have been ranked anywhere close to that level have all been getting away so that's a big forward step 
okay? And then I take a look a little deeper, and I say, let me go see what's up with Clemson, you know, because Clemson is the team that the Hurricanes have to catch to win absolutely anything in football. It, it sucks because of how good they are and how good they've been, uh, and, you know, we'll see if they can sustain it. But so far they are sustaining it, and – you know, it's a fact of life. If, unless Miami gets its act together to that degree, it cannot win anything again in football because to win anything, you have to be able to win the ACC. So Clemson has five in the top 100. Miami has two. So, you know, I, I saw that. So, okay, not, not really that surprised. So then I went to the next 100, um, numbers 100 to 200, and Miami had five in the next 100. Um, Lawrence Seymour at 151, Brashard Smith at 158, although I do think personally that he's a little underrated. Uh, number 171, Romello Brinson, number 189, Cam Kinchins, and number 197, Jacoby George. Well, then you take a look at Clemson. They have six in the next 100. So that's 11 for Clemson, seven for Miami in the top 200. So, and, and the Tigers might pick up one or two more. So are we recruiting well enough? I would say personally it's better because of Williams and Taylor, but I would still say it's not yet where it needs to be. Your thoughts. I mean, I would, you know, not to, not to disagree with you too much, but I mean, I would not look at the rankings like that because there are times when you'll see a recruit commit to an Alabama or an Ohio state or a Clemson and all of a sudden the next you know, ratings come out and he's shot up. I mean, it's just sort of the nature of the beast that, oh my gosh, if these top coaches who have coached these championship teams want that kid, he must be amazing. Let's look at his film again. And, and you're already looking at the film now with a preconceived notion that, wow, these, you know, guys getting paid millions of dollars to look at this film have already said this kid's a five-star in their minds. And, you know, there's a reason why these kids make jumps up in the rankings. So I would love to, you know, sort of see where, the, where some of these kids were ranked before Clemson offered, before Alabama offered, right? Because they, they really didn't have rankings. So, like, that's why I'm saying a lot of times these stars, they don't mean a lot to me. Rankings don't mean a lot to me. To me, they're just fun. They're entertainment for the fans. It's great. But to say that a class isn't good because, you know, a, a rival's analyst is re-ranking a kid after he commits or gets offers from top schools, um, which, which does happen, not all the time, but it does happen a lot, you know, to me, it doesn't bother me. You know, Miami could have <laughs> – you could you could have Miami with all zero rank kids. If Miami did a good job evaluating them, and if Miami, you know, basically wasn't doing Plan B, Plan C stuff for them, offered them, you know, at a point where they had proved to Miami they deserved an offer and could play at Miami and be an outstanding player at Miami, I don't care if they have zero stars, all of them. Like it doesn't bother me. Um, yeah, and, 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 I think, and you know, like I said before, well, like I, I was just gonna say, like I said before, this is not a class where Miami's just uh, offering kids late. So I think they've gotten the kids they want, which I think is all you can ask for. And I think we have to remember also that they they had to recruit mostly South Florida kids. They they couldn't really build relationships with kids from outside of South Florida, certainly even harder from outside the state. But I also don't think that's an excuse because when you look at some of the schools that do have the top recruiting classes, they were able to do that. So it's not like it was impossible to do. All right. So, you know, and, and, and I try to keep this, the analysis of these things balanced. I'm not sitting here trying to be, you know, a raving homer and analyzing this. I'm trying to analyze it objectively and give a real true opinion on this. And one, one other thing did also stand out to me. There were 
There are 17, and, and I, it doesn't matter whose rankings you look at. This is pretty constant. There are 17 top 100 kids from the state of Florida, and Miami's getting two of them. And I would like to see that number go up at least double, and you know, even triple, for me to say that recruiting here is getting to be as good as it needs to get. Um, for example, Alabama, which isn't even in the state of Florida, is getting two of the top three kids from the state. Um, and they're also getting uh, Ja'Cory Brooks, who's a Miami product. So in all, they have seven of the top 50 kids from Florida uh, and, and 13 of the top 100 going to Alabama. So that's elite recruiting to me. Um, and the only comparison you really have is to look at what Alabama's doing. Look at what Clemson's doing. Look at what Ohio State's doing, because those are the teams that are having success. And if you're talking about wanting to become a playoff team uh, and wanting to compete for national championships at Miami again, you have to be able to get to that kind of level. So, uh, you know, I, I think it's a very good recruiting class and, you know, um, you know, you could chime in here, but like when I go through it and, and we'll talk more about it here, maybe next week or something, but as we get closer to signing day, but, but when you look at it, uh, you know, they don't have a quarterback, which to me is a disappointment. I, I know that they're still hoping to flip Jake Garcia, but I think in a perfect world, you would love to have one of the top high school quarterbacks in the country in your, in your recruiting class right now. Um, they don't have that. So, you know, so right now, d- d- depending on where things go from here, who, who maybe they can get in the transfer portal or something along, along those lines, you would have to say quarterback is a disappointment. Uh, Thaddeus Franklin at running back, I personally think he's a good player. I'm not sure that he's going to come in and beat out um, Jalen Knighton and Don Chaney. Um, and we don't even know yet. You know, Cam Harris will probably be back next year too. So you're looking at a, at a kid that's going to probably come in and be like the number four or five running back. Um, I do like the receivers a lot. I think Romello Brinson, Jacoby George, and Brashard Smith are going to very quickly compete for playing time here. Um, is one of them elite? We'll see. Um, I think Smith has a chance to be be really, really good because um, just like we see Mike Harley standing out in this Rhett Lashley offense, I think Smith has the skill set to, to maybe take advantage of some of the same matchups that Lashley is able to create for Harley and you know could have a really, really solid career. And I like Brinson and George uh, as more of outside receivers. I think both are good prospects. And that'll be interesting. I, I love Elijah Arroyo as a tight end prospect. Has been looking very good in Texas. We'll see on Khalil Brantley. Uh, I'm not as sure on him. I'm not 100% sold on the offensive line class. Uh, I see McLaughlin as a project. I think Seymour might have some size issues at the next level. We'll have to see how that plays out. Um, I think Ryan Rodriguez is a good center prospect. But maybe along the lines of like Corey Gaynor, who's hasn't been a great player at Miami. I mean, he's been a, a good center. So I'll stop there, Matt, for a moment. Um, any additional thoughts you have on the offensive class? Um, I mean, I agree that the quarterback is a disappointment. I mean, with with the way this offense has been doing, it's sort of surprising that they can't find somebody at a high enough level, you know, a dual threat quarterback that would be interested in basically – being the only real dual threat quarterback on the team next year, assuming Derek King leaves. I mean, because Derek did so well, you've got to think there's such a huge opening for that. And I don't know if that's because the shutdown hurt them or what, but 
it's very surprising to me that they couldn't get a, a top recruit, a four-star type player, you know, so to speak. Um, that's a dual threat in this class. I, I don't understand it. Um, but yeah, I mean, all the other points you made, I, I agree with. There's just, you know, there's a, there's a lot of unknowns. You know, offensive line in particular is very tough to project out to the next level. And because you got to think most offensive linemen, you don't want them to play until, you know, generally the third year, um, maybe their second year. So, you know, a guy who's a project, that's okay on the offensive line. What you don't want is a project at wide receiver, right? So, I mean, having Michael McLaughlin already at 295, and yeah, he is a project because he's a tight end last year. Um, so he has to really pick up on the nuances of everything they want him to do at offensive line. But, I mean, you, you say three years from now, he should be pretty darn good, you know, which is how they have to get back to, to being on offense. You don't want all these freshmen and second-year guys, you know, playing a lot. You really want to get to the third- and fourth-year guys and then the, the handful of fifth-year guys that stick around to be the, the, the core of your team every year. So, um, you know, hopefully they can get back to that. You know, and, and defensively, I, I'm not going to go into great detail right now. We'll do that down the road here. But, you know, I, I think, you know, you look at the defensive line class. Uh, obviously, Leonard Taylor stands out. I think he's a guy that has the potential to be an elite football player. Um, you know, Ismail, Ishmael rather, I mean, people feel pretty pretty good about. Um, it'll be interesting to see how he factors in at the defensive end spot with, you know, a couple other, you know, talented young guys already ahead of him in progression um, by years. So, you know, that'll be interesting. Uh, Thomas Davis, uh, the, one of the rare out-of-state kids that they were able to get uh, coming in as a defensive end outside linebacker type prospect, uh, you know, I think has some potential. But, uh, you know, at linebacker, uh, I think, you know, Chase Smith is a kid to keep an eye on as a striker. Um, you know, Troutman's done some good things. But, the point I'm making um, as we go through this, you know, defensive back Cam Kitchens, obviously James Williams is a kid, a five-star kid coming in as a safety. We don't know where he'll land position-wise in college, but he should be a really, really good football player, obviously. Um, so there's some good players. Um, I, I think time will tell, and it's going to be how the Cam Kitchens develop, how the Romello Brinsons develop, the Jacoby Georges develop, the Smiths develop. How all those kids develop will, will determine how great the recruiting class really is. But to get back to the original question, is it a class that will, win a, that will directly impact winning a championship? You know, we'll have to see because I think you've got to remember, yeah, you're picking up some good players, but you're also going to be subtracting some good players. You know, um, you know when you look at a, a, a Jalen Phillips, you know, is, is Jabari Ishmael going to be able to come in and replace what you're losing in Jalen Phillips? I, there's no way in hell anybody's going to predict that right now. Um, you know, even like a Leonard Taylor, is Leonard Taylor going to be as impactful of a defensive tackle as Phillips and Greg Russo last year? Even Quincy Roche, is he going to be as impactful of a defensive lineman as these guys that you're subtracting? So you just don't know, and there, there, there's too many unknowns. And um, but I think it's a it's it's a positive that they were able to get the bulk of the good players from South Florida, and I I think you gotta you know you gotta seize on any positives right now, and and it'll be interesting to see just how these kids develop and and, and where it goes. So Matt, any final thoughts? Um, no, I mean, just on defense, I would add, you know, they are after some top guys. I mean, if they could pull up a miracle, like, you know, last year with Avante Williams was somewhat of a miracle, um, you know, like if they could land a Mason Smith or a Terry and Arnold, you know, even, you know, Marquevious Brown is certainly still in the picture, you know. Um, if you can get 
any of those guys or two of those guys. I mean, that, that would be, a, you know, that would make this to me a championship-level recruiting class. I mean, that's how close they are, you know. Um, if they can get two of those three guys and they're in the picture with them, you know, then, then you know, James Williams. I mean, can you imagine if you have James Williams, Leonard Taylor, and, and Mason uh, Smith? And, yeah, and let's say you get Mason Smith. How do you not call that a championship-level class? I mean, no, I agree. That, 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 that would be – Mason Smith makes it – Makes it obviously yeah, off so the let's charts. Just, let's just point. wait and see. I mean, right now, look, right now LSU is the team to beat, but Miami's probably the number two pick right now. And if something happens with LSU, you know, you never know. I mean, crazier things have happened. So, jury's still out. They got a couple of weeks left. It's going to be, you know, interesting to see. You know, I mean, Manny Diaz seems very optimistic. They're going to add a, a few more pieces to this class. And when you know the kids we've been talking to and the people we've been talking to around the kids, it's just you know, you don't really see it where you're like, okay, this is definitely going to be a kid coming to the class, you know. I mean, right now, the most likely out of all the kids we probably talked about is Markevious Brown, but, like, he's telling multiple schools that he's planning to go there. So, you know, this is what happens in recruiting, right? So it's just it's just so up in the air, which is what makes it fun and maybe frustrating for some people. But, um, you know, we're going to have to wait and see how it plays out. It's, like, a little too early to say, oh, it's not a good enough class or it's a great class. Um, because if they could add just a couple more kids that are, you know, that are top-level kids, this could really be an amazing class. Well, and for people that don't know who Mason Smith is, he's he's from Louisiana. He's a defensive tackle, and he's the number one ranked player in the country by rivals. So to land a guy like that would obviously take the steal to a whole nother level. And then the original question I think would have to be answered a little bit differently um, but any way you look at it this has been a step forward this year uh, just still a long way to go is would be the way that I would leave it all right Matt well you know thanks as always for your contribution and um, we'll catch up with you again next week sounds good I'm gonna go eat some stone crabs we'll catch you later you, you do that don't get indigestion though it's late all right, 563-999-3550, 563-999-3550. Uh, the great Leon Searcy is going to be joining us momentarily, but uh, let me try to fit in another call or two first. Let's go out to the 305. You're live on Kane Sport Live. How are you doing this evening? Good, Gary. How are you? Hey, what's up, Adam? How are you doing this week? Good. Um, a couple things. Um, on the recruiting front, do you see Miami being a player for the Nebraska recruit out of Northwestern? I think his name is Patrick Payton, or with Ishmael and a couple other DNs, are we pretty much filled with that spot? Yeah. Um, listen, if he if if he's being uh, they're they're looking at him. Okay, he's one of those guys they're thinking about. Uh, if they offer him, I think he'll go to Miami. Uh, but you know, we just don't we just we just don't know what the final result is there yet. Uh, other than him, I, I think the if, if another defensive lineman is added, it would be Mason Smith. Okay, yeah, because with what's going on with LSU uh, and all their problems there, you just don't know if he'll come down. I've heard that Leonard Taylor's in his ear about coming to Miami. Um, also, any chance that you could see somebody like um, Tyrion? I saw that Tyrion Arnold released his top five. Is Miami definitely out of it with him, or can they still get back in it with him? Uh, we do not think that they're alive there. Uh, okay. Um, a couple other things. Um, is there a, is Manny going to be able to coach the game this? Saturday because I saw that he had COVID 
and I don't yeah, know he's what back. the protocol with him. He he oh, he, he he came out of quarantine by on Monday. He he's back. Okay. Um and with Duke being as down as they are, and I know they've beaten us the past two years, do you see like you've been around the team enough to know is there maturity with this team that they won't overlook Duke? Because North No, Carolina, I think I uh, think they'll be they'll be um they'll be chomping at the bit because they haven't been playing. I mean, so no, I don't think they'll overlook Duke. I'm expecting them to stomp Duke. I, I, I'm, I'd be more concerned if I was Duke, you know, like having any enthusiasm whatsoever for this game. Like, you know, they gave it a, they gave a 56 points the last two, two games they've played. So, you know, they can't okay. be feeling real. They can't be feeling really good about Duke football right now. I'm sure they're about ready to pack it in. Uh, okay. Um, and a couple other things. Um, have you seen anything from Van Dyke? Assuming that, like this year, I know. Like, have you seen him at practice to make you? Think no, that we haven't because be of COVID. A... Because of COVID, yeah. Adam, we oh, haven't been able to. We haven't been able to go out there. So I okay. can't tell you. I can't tell you firsthand how he's. You know, we just can go by what we're told. Um, and in conversations we have with different people that are there, and um, we're told he's doing fine. That you know they're happy with him. But, you know, right now, it's the D.R. King show, so it's not even okay. relevant. Okay. And um, with – I'm assuming that they're going to put – with 2020 being like a wash in terms of scholarship, do you see Miami assuming that King leaves looking at, looking at the transfer market? Because I imagine it's going to be a mad dash with free agency. It's going to be like free agency and – the NFL this offseason with the transfer portal more than in the past couple of years. Yeah, but, you know, you got to remember, I mean, I don't think numbers is not an insignificant issue. I mean, you, you know, it sounds appealing. Hey, let me load my football program yeah. up with 120 players. But, you know, you can only play – there can only be 22 guys starting at a time. And, you know, you start putting 100 guys on a bench hoping to get into games, that's not – that's not a recipe for success, okay. quite frankly. Um, so, you know, and, and plus it gets very expensive. Like every football player costs money. So, um, and a lot of yeah. it. So, so uh, you know, we'll see what happens. I, I think that with the success that they've had in the transfer portal, I think you'll always see yeah. Miami looking at the transfer portal. And I would expect yeah. them to add a few guys here th- this year. But you know, do I think that you're going to see like a dozen guys added to the roster out of the transfer portal? I personally don't, but we'll, you know, we'll see. Okay. Okay. And a couple other things. One, um, do you think um, a, and I think you mentioned this earlier, um, that Jalen Phillips is a true 50-50 because he's really only had one year of a body of work because he was so injury prone at UCLA. That you mean 50-50 to go pro? Yeah. Or do you think he's gone because of how good he's been this year? I think that there's no question that he that he's going to go out. I mean, look at how he's played. I mean, it would be foolish for him to come back for another college season. Okay. Um, he'll be a first. He'll be a first other, or second. He'll be a first or second round draft pick for sure. Okay, and the the other kids. I think you touched on this. Um, the other three are like Borgales. Um, obviously, pickers don't get drafted high to begin with. 
but do you see him like going pro this year? Yeah, I I do. I, I don't see where he has a tr- like like I think he's kicked so well that okay. there's no reason for him not to go pro if he's not good if he's good enough he's it, he's not going to get better in a year like he's already at a top level. So yeah, I got to okay. think he's going out. He's going also. I would that's what I would think. Okay. And then All right, like, Adam? players like yeah, and uh, a couple more like Harley and Carter. You see them coming back next year? Because Harley, yes. Really... Carter, yes. Yeah, I would think they both come back. Okay. Although well, you know, I mean, you know, I don't. Uh, you know what? I don't know. I don't. I don't know on Carter. Okay. I actually, I can't say I really know on either one of them because Harley's had a couple put a, put together a good string of games here. Like, what's his upside? How's he going to get better? I mean, he, he's not going to do better than what he's done the last few weeks. So maybe he does go out and just see where he, where he falls. I, you know, uh, very hard to predict the, both of those guys because Carter, you know, being a senior. You know, is he going to get any better next year? Probably not. You know, so it might make sense. At, at worst, they're going to get free agent looks. So it might make sense for them to go out and give it a shot. And the the last one I wanted to ask about was Bubba Bolden. Do you see him leaving early? He's a little trickier decision because he has so much upside. And he's kind of hurt himself the last month, I think, by not playing as well as he maybe did earlier in the year. So he might have something to gain by coming back. I think he's got a tough decision. You know, I think right now he's maybe a fourth-round draft pick, you know, and, and, you know, he might decide, you know, let me work on my game for another year. Let me come back, and, you know, maybe I can get into the second round. Okay. Well, thank you for taking my call, Gary. Have a good rest of the show. No problem. Thanks for being part of it. All right, guys, it's time for the segment of the show that I know so many of you love and I I always enjoy myself. And that's our point counterpoint segment where um, Bruce Warner and I'll say that this segment is presented tonight by the law office of Bruce Warner uh, comes on the show often with a former player. And tonight, Bruce and I are going to be joined by a Canes legend. Mr. Leon Searcy, he was an All-American in Miami, won two national championships with the Canes in 1989 and 91, was a first-round draft pick by the Pittsburgh Steelers, played in the Super Bowl. Um, Recently, I I think I saw that he was selected as one of the top uh, Jacksonville Jaguar players uh, of all time. And Leon has recently released a book about uh, his life in football and, and how, you know, he became the NFL's highest paid offensive lineman and um, a, a series of choices and circumstances resulted in, it, in him going through some tough personal times. And uh, the way it's described is he got, he, he, he was left broke. Uh, a, a guy that went, he went from being the highest paid offensive lineman in the league to being broke. And um, we've seen this happen so many times through the years. And I know Leon's going to want to talk about that a little bit. Um, and it, it, it's always been tough to, you know, to, to see guy, you know, cause we, we get to know so many of these guys, like, you know, I've known Leon since he's 18 years old. So like, you know, to see them go through those kind of things, knowing how different it could have been if maybe, you know, they, they were guided in, in, a, in a different direction or, you know, there's, there's always different circumstances, but anyway, so his book is called fourth and dam. It's the story of one man's incredible gridiron journey full of highs and lows. You can get it at Amazon.com and perhaps probably some bookstores too. I haven't uh, scoped out all the different bookstores, but you can go out there and get it. And he's here tonight to talk about it. 
Um, Bruce, Leon, welcome back to Kane Sport Live. How are you guys doing tonight? Doing great, Gary. Doing great. Yeah, I'm doing <clears throat> I'm doing great, Gary. By the way, Gary, I won three national championships. Yeah, three national. Oh, read the it? damn book, Gary. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. Wait a minute. Where's he? Yeah, 87. He was there you were here in 87, too? Yeah. Okay, my bad, my bad. You jipped him out of a ring. All right, all right, I'm getting old. What can I tell you? My memory's not as good as as it used to be. It's all good, Gary. It's all but Leon, I will tell you this as well. The University of Miami gypped you out of the 87 one, too, because I'm sitting here. I just looked you up in the media guide, and they don't have you listed in 87 either. <laughs> so, 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 so they're, they're guilty as well. <laughs> well, you know, I'll, I'll be talking to Manny soon, man, because I need, to, I need to get credit for that 87. I was a freshman in 87. Did you get a ring? Yeah, I got a ring. Well, that's what all you need is the ring. The hell with the exactly. book. Okay. So, so, so three rings. Where, 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 where are they right this minute? Oh well, my auntie has them actually. My auntie, I gave them to my auntie. She's got them in a safety deposit box. To be quite honest with you. Uh, so, so you don't ever wear them? I don't ever wear them. No, I mean I use them as show pieces every now and then if I show up for a signing or something like that. But I don't. I rarely wear them. Yeah, well, he wore them a couple of years ago, and him and Darren and Claude, they came to my temple and volunteered to take pictures with people, and they were, you know, they were selling the autographs for like $10 a pop. That was really nice of those guys, and of course, it cost me like $400 to take him to Christine Lee's after that, but that's beside the point. But you know, they're, he's just a great guy, and I know Leon since back in the day, too, and you know, he had, even despite the highs and lows, he really hasn't changed. He's just a good 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 natured person i mean one of the parts in his book uh, i'm not going to tell everything obviously but i think it's true leon you said you went to the pro bowl and brought your friends your family and everybody else and it cost you what 30 or forty thousand dollars just for a weekend a week in the pro bowl is that right well i mean i didn't really have to come out of pocket for the pro bowl because initially when you go to the pro bowl they give you 20 grand on the books once you get there but, you know, it was the first time in Hawaii. I'd never been to Hawaii before. It was my first Pro Bowl. So I invited a lot of my family members to come. I put them up at the hotel, put them, flew them uh, to the Honolulu. And we had a great time and, you know, took them out to dinner, made sure they had cars, made sure they had tickets. And I referenced this in the book. I remember the first time I took them out to dinner after I, I had catered everything. And I took them out to this really five-star dinner, and I bought all the food and the drinks and everything like that. And I was sitting there with my wife asking her, hey, look, I'm spending all this money on these people. I'm going to see if anybody comes in pocket and, and, and bothers to pay for the tip because I had already gotten the bill. The bill was like three grand. It was like 10 people. I had my mama there. Of course, I wasn't going to let my mama pay for it, but everybody else was just, you know, family members, cousins, aunties, and all that kind of stuff. Bill came up to about three grand, and I saw nobody go in their pocket to offer a tip you know, for the dinner. And I told my wife at the time that I was done with them. I said, I was not going to take care of them for the rest of the Pro Bowl. They was on their own. But this, this story is typical. It's not, it's nothing new. I mean, if you ask a lot of athletes, a lot of athletes figure that if they make a bunch of money, that they're obligated to take care of everybody. And I was one of those guys. I was generous. I was generous. I was good hearted. And I felt like because I made a lot of money that everybody else was supposed to benefit from it, especially family. And I, that's, you know, one of the things that, I speak about in the, my book uh, about a, a lot of the uh, unnecessary uh, expenditures that athletes uh, spend money on when it comes to their families and so-called friends. So the book is, is a, it's a life lesson. I mean, I did the book 
not only because I thought the book was going to be very therapeutic for me, but I also wanted the book to be a life lesson for athletes, not only high school athletes, college athletes, but even players that are in the NFL right now, that you can make a series of bad choices financially and with people that you deal with that might cost you in the end. So, I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm not in no, any ways embarrassed about what happened in the book. It was my life. I learned from it. I'm better off now because of it. And the book is doing well right now. Right now it's number two on Amazon's hot new releases. So it's a lot of people that are jumping on board and they're buying the book and enjoying the experience. And I'm getting great reviews as of late. Yeah, well, I read it and I read it in a day because it's an easy read. And uh, from his childhood, when his mother, I don't know if she cursed out the coach, but she got in the coach's face. Leon got cut. When he was, I don't know, 10, 11, 12, because he was too big and too heavy, so they cut him. But So his mother dragged him in the car and brought him, and went over there, and I guess, she, did she scream and yell at the coach, because you were embarrassed? Well, yeah, I don't want to tell the whole book, Barry, because I want, I mean, uh, Bruce. Uh, Bruce, because I want some people to go back. Uh, I'm not telling the whole book. But, but, uh, but yeah, my parent, my, my what, what to the extent what my mom did was, you know, I was too heavy. I was too young to play with the, 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 little, the little ones, and then I was too heavy to play with him as well, so I was I was in a conundrum. So basically, the 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 the, the pop Warner coach, you know, pulled me off the ground, uh, told me to get my fat ass off his field. So I went home walking by myself, and I went crying. And my mom, of course, her being a a lioness, someone attacked a cub. She went after him. He she basically told the guy that uh, she was he was going to regret not coaching me, and told him that. Hey, one day you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna watch you're gonna turn the TV and you're gonna see Leon Cersei's name and you're gonna be the coach who didn't coach him. So that was just another. You know, I, I've got a bunch of like uh, little seg, seg uh, little segments of my life when I was growing up to help mold me into the man that I was. Yeah, well, your hey, expenditures were incredible. Yeah, cars, go ahead, cars. What was what was the purple car you got? A what? A purple what? Uh, it was it was actually a purple Benz that I bought my first year when I was Jacksonville. My first day of the training camp, I drove. I had a, a purple Benz and I, I rode into training camp uh, the first day when I was in Jacksonville playing Purple Rain because I was a big Prince fan. I, I'm, I'm sure uh, Tom Coughlin got a nice kick out of that. Tom Coughlin got a nice little kick out of that seeing me do that. Too too, too bad Hard Knocks wasn't there, man. That would have been the perfect Hard Knocks scene. That that that, that would have been great oh, I, for for this for that show. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So, like, you guys grow up, and, you know, so many kids like Leon Searcy grow up, and they dream of becoming professional football players. And, and, and as much as that, they dream about making money and being able to take care of their mothers. And, you know, you hear it, you know, dozens of times a year, you know, no matter what team you cover, whether it's Miami Hurricanes or whatever. But, you know, as a writer, I've heard that a million times. You know, I want to take care of my mom. Um, you know, my mom sacrificed for me when I was little, she, you know, she scratched, worked two jobs so she could pay for, you know, my football leagues and, and going to football camps and things like that. So everybody, so many kids grow up thinking about wanting to make it big so that they can take care of the people around them, which is, you know, kind of what you just referred to. Um, but when you get there, Leon, talk a little bit about how unprepared you really are to to be able to, to to actually execute that and and handle it and and know that you need to have limitations on it. 
Well, I mean, for the most part, most athletes that go from the college from the you know from college to the pros are ill-equipped financially, or, or the financial literacy of what to do with their money once they get it. And then most of the times they run into financial advisors and agents who are, who are uh, sharks, so to so to say, who do, who don't keep you abreast of you know, what you should be saving, what you should be investing. I mean, I, I, I'm I'm under the um, I'm under the impression that uh, they, they, it should start in high school. It should start in high school. You should teach these kids about the financial literacy, understanding about savings and stocks and bonds and, and what to invest in and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, you're never taught about any of that stuff while you're in high school or even when you're in college. So when you get to the NFL level and you're making all this money, you're entrusting uh, your welfare into the hands of people who may not have your best intentions at hand. And I found myself in that situation where, I was in a cesspool of uh, financial advisors and accountants and agents who uh, were looking out for themselves. And when you're playing ball, that's all you're really focused on. You're focused on playing ball, um, playing for your team, uh, making the money, buying this, buying that, and no one ever tells you that it's ever going to end. And you, you, get, you, get, you feed your ego. I mean, we all have egos when you play ball. You have to have an ego. You have to think that you're the best. And you compete not only on the field, but you, you compete off the field. A lot of people don't understand that. A lot of athletes, not only do they compete on the field, they have these huge egos on the field, which you need in order to be at, at the top of your craft. But a lot of these guys, when they get off the field, they're competing on who's got the best car, the best, the best clothes, the best jewelry, who's got the big house, who's got the fine woman, who spend the most money in the club, who spend the most money in the strip clubs. So there's a competition not only on the field but off the field that a lot of these guys, uh, when they don't realize it until they're too late, it's too late that they've spent up all their money. And I, you know, and I was, I was, I was very honest in the book about my pitfalls and my vices that I had while I was playing in the NFL. And the one thing about playing in the NFL, that all these vices that you incur while you're playing, whether it be womanizing, spending money, uh, spending, um, uh, spending on luxuries, there's no rehab center once you retire. There's no place where you can go and rehab and kind of get over these vices that, you, that you've had since you were playing football. And then once your, your career is over, you're left in the tailspin having to deal with all these addictions and vices that you incur while you play football. And that was, that was, my, that was another thing that I assessed in the book about how difficult it was for me once my career was over because all the people that I so-called entrusted while I was playing, you know, kind of cast me away. I felt like Tom Cruise in that movie uh, <laughs> with, talking to Wilson because I absolutely had no one who, who came to my aid once my career was over. And, I was I was very honest about it. I was very honest about you know how I had to deal with it, and um and and I just wanted to make sure a lot of athletes that befriend whether it be financial advisors, whether it be agents or friends or whatever, that mass majority of the time once your career is over and there's no money left, they have no more use for you and you're cast away. And that was that was done to me. And I didn't care to mention any names. No, I don't care to mention any name. I'm sure uh, if you read the book, you'll, you'll, you'll well, yeah, we all know who they are anyhow. So yeah, we got you know it. know who they are. Well, I know who they are. The book, we all do. When you, yeah, when you read the book, it, it'll be stated uh, nice and clear uh, who it was. Um, so, um, but yeah, but you know, I don't have any ill will towards those people. That it just taught me a lesson uh, because I always tell people I don't never lose in life. I learned. I learned a valuable lesson about people and keeping your circle small. And, and believing in yourself, and, and listen, I couldn't I couldn't be to where I am today, right now, enjoying my life to the fullest, 
you know, if I didn't believe that I could somehow uh, succumb this and, and make a better life for myself. So I'm excited about the book. Everybody that's read the book has been entertained. They love the story. They love to read. Um, so um, I'm just going to keep doing whatever I need to do to continue to promote it because I, I want it in, in the hands of all athletes because it's not only a telltale story for athletes, but it's just a telltale story of just persevering and never giving up. And I wouldn't be here to this day if I had given up. That's for sure. And I could tell you, Gary, he does not sugarcoat anything. He takes full responsibility. And as you, as you're reading the book and he's telling us what he's doing spending money in strip clubs and i think one time he rent out an entire top floor of, of some place for, for whatever they were doing they had girls all the time he didn't sugarcoat anything he's narrating it and he's saying i knew i screwed up i shouldn't do this i shouldn't do that but he was doing it anyhow so it, it's an amazing book because i know leon pretty well but i didn't know a lot of these things so if anybody wants to read this book I would definitely do it. It's a great book. In Amazon, you can get it like the next day, or if you have Kindle, you'll get it in five seconds because that's how I got it on the Kindle. Yeah, well, you know, I got, I got a kick out of Leon's Pro Bowl story because you know I, I see that's something I, I see a lot also, and I'd be curious to get your opinion, Leon, on, on this. Like, you have money, and everybody knows you have money, and like people that I have found that people that have money like to spend money, and you know, it's important to them. They're not just looking to take their, their money and just throw it in the bank, uh, you know, once they get to a certain point. So, you know, it's kind of like a, a catch 22 because, you know, you're expect you're, you're there, you got 10 people at the pro bowl. You're expected. It's, it's expected of you to entertain everybody. And it's expected uh-huh. of you to pick up, to pick up that dinner tab. On the one hand, uh-huh. you're, 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 you're expecting – and tell me if I'm wrong on this – you're expecting yourself to pick up that dinner tab, right? I mean yeah. – like, like you, you're you – yeah, know, I mean, yeah, but Gary, he invited them there, so what I – No, no, I, I understand. Really expect they're going to pay for it. No, I understand, but, but like, but like my, my, my point is it's a catch-22 because the, the, the guy with the money, everybody expects him to pick up the tab. He expects himself to pick up the tab. But at the end of the day, it's, it's total BS. And, yeah, they should have paid the damn tip. And it doesn't matter how much money Leon had. And, you know, but, but it never works out that way. Yeah. And, it, and, and the point I'm making, Leon, is it's not easy having money. Everybody thinks it's so great having all this money. But there's, there, there's, there's downsides to it as well. Well, well you're, actually, you're absolutely right, Gary. I mean, because if, if you do it long enough, then you feel obligated because the check sat on the table for a good 10 minutes and nobody moved. Uh, so I, that, that already told me that they weren't coming out of pocket. They figured that I already paid for the trip and the room and the limos and the tickets. So there was no need for them to come out of pocket. And I had done it before, so they just figured that I was going to do it again. But I just sat there to just see if anybody was going to at least take notice that I, that I was paying the bill and was anybody going to offer at least a tip. I mean, no one put out a twenty, forty, hundred, nothing, even a dollar bill. So I mean, because I had done it so many times before, it was almost like a the money was almost a blessing and a curse at the same time because I had done it so many times before. People just figured that Leon was going to take care of it anyway. So me sitting there waiting for them to bring the tip was probably nonsense because I had never done that before. But I, I just figured that it was my first time at the Pro Bowl. I invited all the family. That at least they could have carried the tip 
amongst ten people. You if you had given me twenty dollars a piece, that would have been two hundred, and I would have carried the rest. But no, because I had done it before. It's my blessing and my curse. You know, they didn't feel obligated to pull out anything out of their wallets. How much well, money does uh, Kelvin Harris owe you? <laughs> Just kidding. Who? <laughs> Kelvin, he doesn't pay for a thing. Man, Calvin pays for nothing. He pays for nothing. <laughs> nothing. <laughs> I don't even know if he's got pockets to pull money out of. Huh. Huh. <laughs> so, you know, the one thing I wish he would have put in the book is, listen, uh, look, we're Canes fans. There, he's got 10 million Miami Hurricanes stories. There's a lot, some in there, but there's a lot more he could have said. He, I mean, really, he could have said a lot more, right, Leon? Well, yeah, well, shoot, hell, I could have, listen, my next book can just be an all-Canes book. There's of course a lot it could of stories be. in Miami. I, 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 could, I couldn't put in the book. I mean, what? What my what my author actually told me to do is, which I'm going to start doing tomorrow. I left a lot of stories that it just didn't fit right into the book. I mean, I've got stories, of, I got you know Kane stories, uh, I got some stories, uh, BYU stories, Texas stories, I got Sugar Bowl stories. They just you know, although I've got, you know they're great stories, but they just didn't fit into the parameters of the book. But my but my author told me what I need to do is. Uh, starting tomorrow, I'm gonna start telling those stories uh, via uh, video that didn't make the book. So I, I got to. Oh, you're a bestseller now. Why don't you write another book? You have another bestseller, <laughs> right? I'm not a bestseller yet. Right now, I'm, no, you don't get a bestseller until you hit number one. I'm number two. So if I get to number one, then then maybe. But no, I'm 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 gonna start telling stories that didn't make the book to you know get people to gain a little bit more interest in you know the actual book because I left stories out about my time with. When I played Reggie White, Lawrence Taylor, my donut story with the Steelers, uh, the, the BYU story, the sugar at the Sugar Bowl after the game stories, uh, in the hotel uh, before the so I, the Texas uh, the Texas uh, oh that was bad Texas I heard all story. about that oh well yeah I've got all those kind of stories that I, I left out you know I actually what's funny is um, uh, Dave Campo uh, actually uh, he he comes on our radio show every now and then. And he's got the book, and um, it's, it's a funny story I told in there about the sixteen one tens that he he laughed about. He came on the show about we came on the show last week. Said he wrote the book, re, he read the book, and he was and I told him how horrifying those sixteen one tens were when Jimmy Johnson was there, and he he verified everything I talked about in the book about those sixteen one tens. So that was pretty cool. Um, so I've got even more stories about in the weight room, 16 110s, in the locker room, uh, block parties with Uncle Luke. <laughs> I, I left out the, out the book. So those kind of stories that I'm going to start relaying uh, um, via video just to give the fans some of the stories that just actually didn't make the cut. Yeah, well, Dwayne Johnson made the cut. Oh well, The Rock made the cut, and, he, and The Rock gave me—he gave me a nice little promo for the back of my book that I—I—I I, I reached out on, I, on the back of the the book. You know, I, I referenced well the one time me and Rock was talking on Twitter, and I made reference to him on uh, the freshman orientation where he looked like a mechanic, didn't look like a real a student. He looked like a grown ass man, and then he referenced about me, plop, you know. Punch blocking him, knocking one of his lungs out. And he said, <laughs> said I was one of the toughest men. He said I was one of the toughest mean, meanest offensive linemen he ever went up against. So I, of course, Rock being the superstar that he is now, had to use that quote, you know, for the back of my book. Good, awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Leon, how many? Because he really how didn't many play times, that much. Dewey. <laughs> 
Hey, Leon, how many times has somebody picked up the tab for you in your life, you know, or in your adult me, life? Since me, you, since me. Uh, yeah, well, most of, most of the time the people picked up my tab uh, when, is when I was being um, when I was being uh, recruited uh, by agents uh, after my senior year. Uh, some were some were legit meals and some were not so legit meals. <laughs> so you know that's the only time. But all the other times, you know, I, I've had to carry the tab. You know, for my eleven year career when I was playing. Yeah, have you watched so, the uh, Canes, Canes at all this year? I, I have watched the Canes. I have watched them. I have watched them every chance I get. Um, you know, when I'm not, when I'm not, you know, uh, with, with the Jaguars or, or anything like that. But when I do get time to watch them, I do watch them. And thoughts? Um, you know, I, I, I think that they're playing well. I, I don't think they have a signature win right now. I think they're doing something different from what they did last year. They're actually beating the teams they're supposed to beat. Um, uh, the last game they played against Virginia Tech uh, wasn't really impressive to me, and, but I, I realized that they had like 13 players that didn't play because of injuries or COVID. Uh, so uh, in order for – you know, them coming out with that win against Virginia Tech was impressive. I was a little concerned that them giving up 41 points to North Carolina State. I think they're beating the teams they're supposed to be. I, I was very impressed with the way they smashed Florida State. That was always – that's always uh, uh, pleasant to see. Um, but, I, you know, I there's no – there's the Clemson game was, of course, was disheartening to see them, uh, you know, get dismantled by Clemson. But uh, – you know, that just lets you know that Clemson is on Tier 1 and, you know, the, my, the Hurricanes are on Tier 2. Um, yep. They've got a couple of years before I think uh, they're going to be able to, uh, you know, match, you know, Clemson, you know, toe for toe. But I think Manny's moving in the right direction, uh, you know, because, uh, you know, it was very embarrassing last year to see them lose to Duke, uh, FIU, and La Tech. So I think this year now they're beating the teams they're supposed to beat, and if, if they – if they handle business like they should, they should win out. Now, North Carolina might give them a little test towards the end, but I think the Wake Forests and the Dukes of the world, they should they should win those games easily. Yeah, and I, and I, I, I agree with Gary. I, I, I've been saying all year that the Eric King is the difference maker. He's the difference between 7-1 and one and 4-4. Four and four. He really has come here and made a significant difference. I don't know how much better or worse they are, but he clearly – has made a difference at the quarterback position. He's the he's the leader. Yeah, he's the leader. I, I, absolutely. I mean, this team would not be in the position it's in right now if it wasn't for Derrick King. The only problem I have with that is because I, you know I'm a stickler on the offensive line. The offensive line spends too much time watching Derrick King run and not you know not blocking. I mean, our running game should be a lot better than what it is. Uh, I think we do uh, too much standing around and looking, waiting for Derrick King to make a play with his feet or throwing the ball. I would just like to see our, our offensive line. And I even had this conversation with Brett Romberg. We, we agreed the offensive line spends too much time standing around waiting for Derrick to make a play instead of them being playmakers themselves. Uh, you know, as dynamic. They can't be as standing around, uh, Leon. They can't be standing around when they're running the ball. There's no time to stand around. They got to knock somebody well, in their ass. They don't well, seem to well, do it. That, that, that's that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I mean, they they they're they're overemphasizing Derrick King's athletic ability, and the offensive line isn't doing enough in the run game to keep the run game going. 
Um, that's I, I would like to see them put a little bit more effort into our run game so we're not so one-dimensional or depending on Derrick King to make a play with his feet. Um, but overall, Derrick King is – I hope he comes back another year. I, I really does. I, I really hope he does come back to Miami for another year uh, because we could definitely utilize this talent next year for 2021. Well, the ultimate final exam would come if if they if they win this weekend, and I I don't know what would happen if they didn't beat North Carolina. But right now, it looks like they're headed towards the Orange Bowl, Leon, and uh, and a game against the the loser of the SEC championship game, you know, probably Alabama or Florida. So that would be the ultimate final exam for this year. I think, and uh, we'd give them yet another measuring stick to see where they are. And uh, to me, ultimately, what it's going to come down to is how they can build on 2020. Uh, We all agree, definite forward steps this year. But the last time they had forward steps was 2017, and they they were not able to build on it. The next two years were not very good at all. So uh, the key will be how they're able to build on it. But uh, we'll see what happens. Leon, thank you so much for joining us. I love when you come on the show. Um, I know you're doing well in in the things you're doing up in Jacksonville and and, and all that. So – you know, keep keep that up, and uh, we'll we'll do it again soon. And I hope you sell a million books. <laughs> so to say, I I hope so too. And thank you. Uh, I appreciate you allowing me to come on your show. Uh, oh no sweat, no. Thank you for allowing us to have you on the show. And other than Amazon, uh, where can people buy the book? Well, right now, you know, you know it's fourth down the dam, a lime story. It's the autobiography of Leon Slater. Right now, it's on the on Amazon. But starting, we we already we've already had a book launch here in Jacksonville where we sold out. We had uh, over seventy five people outside autograph. We had sponsors and everything. A radio show was done there as well. So we're going to be on tour uh, starting twenty twenty one. We're going to make stops in Orlando. Uh, we're going to make stops in Miami, uh, Atlanta, and Pittsburgh. But if people want to buy it online, they they just go to Amazon. Yeah, if they want to buy the book online, they can go to Amazon. You can go to Amazon. You can purchase it on Kindle. Or you can purchase it on, uh, on paperback. And once we get closer to uh, the Christmas time, they'll be available on, on hard, hard, hardback as well. All righty. Well, thanks, Leon. Thank you for coming on the show. And everybody, uh, grab that book. Uh, tons of great, great stories in there. Uh, and Leon's had a very interesting life. So, Leon, until next time, uh, thanks again. All right. Appreciate you. Thank you. All right, Leon, All right, I'll talk Bruce. to you soon, buddy. All right, Bruce. All right, yeah, I'll talk to you. All right, and that uh, segment was presented by the Law Office of Brucey e. Warner, practicing family law in Broward, Dade, and Palm Beach counties for 37 years. Bruce handles divorce and paternity cases, as well as modifications of timesharing and child support and alimony. If you have a family law need in South Florida, Bruce can be as tough and aggressive or as kind and caring as necessary. So if you have family law needs, email TalkingDivorce at AOL.com. That's TalkingDivorce at AOL.com. And uh, hope you don't need them, but if you do, sure, Bruce will take care of you. All right, let's get back to your calls now. The number is 563-999-3550, 563-999-3550. You hit the one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. And let's head to the 786. You're live on Kane Sport Live. How are you doing tonight? Gary, how are you? Hey, what's up, everything? How you doing this week? Hey, another great, another uh, great show, man. It, uh, we're, nice we're trying, be, uh, man. We're trying. Back we, we, on K Sport Live, man. Yeah, we're trying, trying to, trying to pull it together for you guys. 
Well, um, I really enjoyed uh, having you having uh, Leon uh, as a guest tonight. He's so insightful, and just for him to be able to share some of his some of these stories and the the pitfalls that a lot of these guys fall, you know, end up having to go through, and where life takes him based on a lack of direction. And I think one of the biggest things that he mentioned that that should be a requirement in the, in the state of Florida for sure is, is having. Uh, one of those type of life skill classes and and how you utilize math on a day-to-day basis and all those life skills that are taken for granted. And for the kids who are lucky lucky enough to have involved parents that support them, you know, unfortunately those parents do everything for them too. So uh, we we need more of that uh, involvement at the the high school level, I think, in terms of getting these kids ready for the real world. And, again, he made some great points tonight. Yeah, I'm not sure if they're mature enough at the high school level, but certainly when they're at that point in college, and I don't think this gets done anywhere near well enough, but like to me, the University of Miami and every program around the country should have a one-on-one mentor for these kids to, to help them lay out a plan for their future. Uh, and just so they understand that, you know, Okay, who do you need to take care of? Okay, let's figure out how you do the how you're going to do this and how you're going to do this. You're not just going to be thrown out into this uh, cesspool with you know without any help and not having any idea, you know what to do. And and uh, I just don't think that gets done enough. And these kids end up getting exploited by so many people. Yeah, and what's worse, Gary, is when they get to the NFL. If they're lucky enough to get to the NFL, and the symposium is open to all players. It doesn't matter whether you're an eighth, a fifth round draft choice, a first round, and all those resources are there, but so many of them don't even pay attention to that part of the process because all they're focused on is what Leon mentioned, which is just playing and getting the bigger, better contract. And, and, and they forget that the most important thing is for them to be able to manage that money and to come up with a game plan and who you should trust and who you can't trust. And, again, just some great information. But uh, I want to talk a little bit about our group right now. Um, in the past two days, I've, I've uh, heard you guys on the uh, the press conferences that the coordinators have had, what Manny had, and you guys have had some great questions. And um, I, I'm just wondering how healthy are these kids, and we don't know how many kids in total, uh, you know, basically had the virus, let alone which ones had to just had to be in quarantine. But of the ones who had the virus, Gary, how many do you think? are really actively going to be able to, you know, contribute and, and, and play at a certain level of of, uh, of our expectations or their expectations. I mean, what do you think you know, you're looking at, to be honest? It's it's so hard to predict that. I mean, it really is. You know, I, I mean, some of the, I, you know, I, I know a lot of stories now of kids who have had COVID and, things, and young people that have COVID and things like that. And some of them bounce back and it's like they never had it. Some of them never had a clue they had it. Um, didn't even have a symptom or anything. And, and, you know, and then there's others that, you know, for weeks they don't feel right. So, you know, it's hard to say. I mean, these, these are kids that are in supreme athletic condition. I would be surprised if we're watching the game on Saturday and we're saying, oh, man, he had COVID. He doesn't look like the same player because of that. I would be surprised. Well, and he mentioned, Coach Diaz mentioned yesterday, I believe that uh, they were able to come in midweek last week. They brought in a lot of the kids that were 
cleared and eligible to, to come back and work at a in a socially distanced manner and all those things. But you also heard him say how how big of a challenge they had in terms of setting up their practices for this week based with the requir- the COVID requirements that are that are at hand here, but also ensuring that the kids that, you know, have the class back and that are eligible don't get sick again. So it's you talk about a, a, a huge task at hand for these for the staff and to get ready for an opponent that, you know, you found out Sunday night you were gonna play um, I think it's it's going to be a real testament to the quality of, uh, of teaching that we have from this group of guys, the staff, and that'll 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 come on Saturday. Because regardless of the talent, Duke has some decent talent on defense. They've got some decent some decent talent on offense. They're not a horrible team. The record isn't very good, but you know, just as we are in the top ten, you know, are we really a top ten? Or is it based on, you know, we've been lucky getting breaks here yeah. and there. There's a lot of things I don't think it matters. Does it really matter? I mean, you could debate that for sure, but, like, does it really matter? I mean, I, I don't see – I see very few teams out there that look to me anywhere near as good as what you would have thought they would have been coming into the season. I mean, there's a couple, obviously. But, um, you know, look at what Clemson's gone through you know, when they had to go play Notre Dame, I mean, they weren't close to a hundred percent. I mean, you know, I, I don't, I don't know everything. I, I mean, I just think, it, I think, it's, I think everyone's just trying to survive the year. And I, I, I think whether someone's ranked 10th or 15th or whatever, does it really matter? I mean, they're just trying to get through the season. I, I, I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't overemphasize it and I wouldn't underemphasize it. I would just, not really pay a whole lot of attention to rankings this year. I don't think it really matters. And, and with that in mind, Gary, that, that's why I'm not going to sit here and say, well, you know, we're going to win on Saturday. That's a done deal. Because nothing's a done deal with this group. You don't no. know how things are going to transpire this week. You don't know yeah. how ready we Other, other than the Duke's to, been really bad. Like, they've been really bad. They have been. They, they definitely have been. Uh, yeah. And they don't have a lot of talent, but, but – when you look at how we match up with them, you know, their strength of the two defensive ends, you know, our weaknesses pretty much are all, you know, are, it's been our pass protection. Um, you know, they've got decent decent linebackers who cover. They're active. They're they're aggressive. They're attacking. Uh, their corners will be out on an island. I mean, they're they're gonna they're gonna give us a game. It's not like they're just gonna go ahead and say, okay, you know, come take the W. We'll uh, see. I'm I'm not as convinced as you are. I'm not as convinced I, as you are. And I know, back of the mind, a lot of these players, they're not forgetting that Instagram video that hit last year at the end of the game you know, in their locker room. It was beyond disrespectful, some of the stuff that was said. But then again, you know, to the to the victor go the spoils. So I, I hope if if we are able to go out there and execute a high level and, and pretty much dominate them, you know, don't take your foot off the pedal. This, this is one of those games – that if you are lucky enough that things are going to work, you know, basically we're doing our job. The kids are doing their job. That if you got, you know, if you got them in a bad spot, just keep them there and, and just run up the score as best as you can and send a little message to Duke and everybody out there to be careful. You know, if you go ahead and disrespect the brand to a certain extent, especially what was said last year, Gary, I'd like to see our guys take that. Hopefully they, they took it in and it's, it's in the back of their minds. It's a personal 
vendetta here because I'd like to go ahead and go up there and just annihilate them and put them in their place. I really would like that to happen. But, again, with this season, we have no idea what the hell is going to happen. Uh, we, we, do have, we do have a lot more talent. And you look at the breaks, your, your opening song here, <laughs> with all the breaks that we've had, this is the, the, the best opportunity we're going to have to go to a New Year's Day Bowl. So we've got to be able to win this game on Saturday and then find a way to compete against, against uh, the, I think, the second-best quarterback in the entire conference. Uh, you know, Howell's, to me, Howell's the best quarterback other than, uh, than Lawrence in the conference. And I, and I love Derek, Derek King, but uh, Howell can really sling it, Derek. That, that yeah. kid is yeah, tough. He, yeah, he's He'll good. I personally think the Eric Kings had a better year than him this year, though. But you know, we'll see what happens when when we play. On the recruiting front, uh, I think it, I don't know if it was Adam or I, I forget who it was. Somebody mentioned uh, all these different kids that have popped up. If you look at the number of decommitments since last week, I think there's there's 19 of them throughout the country. And if you look at the number of scholarships and commitments that we have right now, I'm almost thinking, and you brought this up a while back, addition by subtraction, I'm almost hoping that we get one or two of these kids to back off their pledge and they don't sign early. Because I still think that the best talent that's going to be available, immediately impactful, that will be able to take the place of some of our guys that will be moving on, uh, whether it's it's to the league or to another school, because we are going to lose a couple kids that are starters. I think we'll lose one or two to other schools, uh, especially on the offensive line. We we might see a guy or two leave, but I I think it's it's critical for us to have as many spots as we can, at least four or five spots for the portal. Uh, kids throughout the country where things have not worked out well for them for whatever reasons, beside COVID. Uh, and they want to get a good year of tape. I mean, you look at what kids have been able to come here and do in a year. Jalen Phillips, uh, Quincy Roche, uh, Adrian Colbert years ago. I, mean, I think this is a great place. It's a proven opportunity that you can come in. If you're at a certain level, you can get some great tape and get a chance to play on Sundays and get drafted. So I'm really hoping that I wouldn't mind seeing another kid or two. Uh, you know, back off their pledge, to be quite frankly. And, and, and to be honest with you, there's one that's been playing games with us since he committed, decommitted and committed and decommitted. And, you know, he's always on Twitter. He's, it's almost like he's trolling us. And I know he's got a special, special relationship with Greg Schiano up at Rutgers. And now he's also trying to get his, his teammate that's also committed to us saying, hey, listen, look at everybody that's in front of you. You know, we, we need to keep our options open. Maybe we should wait till uh, until the spring sign, till the February signing. So I wouldn't be surprised if that comes about, Gary. Who you, you talking about Savion? Talking about you talking? Dad and Alan Hayes. Oh, okay, those two. Dad Franklin. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think Savion has come to the conclusion that Florida's not going to offer him. And I think he really wanted to go to Florida. And Florida's not going to offer him. He doesn't fit what they like from a defensive tackle. Uh, he's he's almost a clone of Slayton. And that's, you know, Slayton's been a guy that's been there. He isn't an impactful guy. doesn't impact the game at all. Uh, it's almost like a clone of him. So I, I, I think they want to move on from that type of defensive tackle. And he's got, he's got short arms, Gary. 
I mean, that's one thing he does have. Kind of yeah. reminds me of a kid from Northwest and ended up going to Pitt. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, good. yeah, he, I mean, he's, yeah, I don't he, consider him critical to this class at all, personally, but. No, right? I mean, so I, I wouldn't mind if, if, if those two, if those two or three kids, if we lose two of those kids, I wouldn't mind those two spots going to a transfer kid or maybe one. And the kid that, to me, that's come on like gangbusters, and I, and I wish you could explain this to me, because I've seen this kid play for two years now. Uh, when he was at Heritage and now he's at St. Thomas. How does Dallas Turner compare to the the Peyton kid at Northwestern in your eyes, Gary? Um, I, I know that a, a lot of people think that he is a, he's like a system type player, and and I think that that's what they like about him at Alabama. Um, he's never really been in the picture here. So I have like I'm not going to tell you that I've studied him in depth. I I have not, uh, but that that is what I heard that 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 they consider him at Alabama just like a really good fit for what they like to do up there. Um, the Peyton kid at Northwestern's kind of come out of nowhere, man. Um, you know I think he's caught Miami's attention, and they're going to have to make a decision on him. Um, the the thing that surprises me really is that the NCAA has not given clarity. To numbers and you know I think a lot of these schools right now including Miami are kind of like up in the air a little bit on what the numbers are going to be like what their options are going to be um, how much they want to increase the budget to accommodate extra players beyond the 85 limit um, how much they want to go into the transfer portal what other transfers might become available you know there's just so many moving targets right now so you know it's hard and for I me to explain why that's say what will happen I can explain why that's the case, Gary. I can I can give you the, the complete answer. The reason it's like every, everything else in this world, it's about money. And at this stage, the golden goose has always been football, which pays for everything, and it pays for football as well. But they're trying to figure out the NC2As along with the uh, the uh, the top ADs, the top conferences in the country. They're trying to figure out, well, how much can we make? Because we're in a hole as it is. They need to figure out where they're going to be financially before they can make those decisions. Yeah, and football so players are expensive. I mean, when you talk about you know paying for scholarships, books, housing, the stipends they get, um, the the you know the, the expenses when when school's not in session, the you know the medical costs of when a kid gets injured i mean there, there's a whole lineup of of expenses and and it's not cheap to you you know you say oh it'll be great i can go from 85 to 100 or whatever i mean th- those 15 football players are going to cost the school a few million dollars so it's not so and easy it's not problem, so clear cut this is the problem the ad's are having that council's having you know the nc2a has a humongous contingency fund gary and what they're trying to do is they're trying to figure out, okay, after everything's done with football, we have a certain idea of what we're going to be able to make from basketball. Based on what we lost last year from basketball, the contingency fund that the NC2A has, which is pretty much their lifeline, okay, which is in the billions of dollars, they've got to figure out how to be able to help some of these conferences and some of these schools before they can make that type of decision. And if you know anything about the NC2A, they are. They have no desire to to surplus in any way what these conferences have been able to bring about 
in terms of rev, gener, generating revenue on their own. So they don't want to get involved, but they're they're having them wait to be able to at least see how the dust settles and how things settles and who can pay for what because there can't be a tremendous advantage in being a, as there is now anyway with an SEC school as a Big Twelve school as a Big Ten school. So they're trying to let things settle down first, and and honestly, that's why the Big Ten was so pissed off to, from the very beginning. All the coaches were because they knew. The later you started to play, the less of a chance you're going to have to finish the season. Better to get all your money up front, at least from the television revenue, and that's not coming about. So that's a bit that's been a big issue, Gary. But again, that's why we don't have an idea, and that's why all these coaches are, are frustrated. And guess what? The ones who are really getting screwed here are the kids, like they always are, because they're the ones having to wait because they don't know. And hopefully they'll have an answer by January. But I'm not so sure that's the case, Gary. Yeah. Well, I mean, you may, you know, you make you make some good points. So it it the whole thing is going to is going to be very interesting. You got anything else for us tonight? The last thing I want to talk to you about, which coach, which coach on our staff right now do you see as potentially not being here next year? You mean because they get a better job or because they get they get let go by Manny? Either or. As a matter of fact, how about each one? In each, how about each case scenario? I mean, obviously getting a better job, you'd have to say Lashley uh, would be the top sure, candidate yeah. for that. I, I think Likens has had a very good year here. You know, he might be on some people's radar. Um, on the defensive side, I wouldn't be shocked if Manny wanted to stir it up a little bit, maybe make one change. Um what that change would be, I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if at some point Baker decided to break out, you know, and kind of go go somewhere where he could be his own guy. Um, you know, that wouldn't shock me if that ever happened. Um, but, you know, we'll see. I know you're asking because you want me to say Rumpf. I mean, I, you know, I, I don't think that – I mean, I think if Manny were, were going to do anything with Rumpf, it would have been after last year. I don't – you know, I don't know. I don't know where I don't know where Mike stands in terms of wanting to do something different or not. I haven't had that conversation with him. So, you know, I don't know. But I think, you know, if, if they finish this thing out, you know, and end up uh, 10 and one or something like, why would you be looking to make changes? I, I think if the staff wanted to come back intact, that Manny would let it come back intact. Well, I, I've always told you that, that with regards to Mike, Mike is, is one of the best teachers that we have. And people don't understand what he's making out of those kids, given their limited athletic ability. I mean, let me tell you something. What he's done with those corners, those corners, they're, they're not very good. Uh, the upper class, especially, are not very good. And we've discussed no. that at length. But uh, he's a great teacher, and he's able to, to get the most he can out of those corners and those kids, in my opinion. I know he can't recruit to save his life. That's just not, that's not Mike. And, you know, he told me that face-to-face. Uh, about three years ago, we were at that, that dinner. And, uh, you know, he's a great guy. Um, I, I wouldn't be shocked, though, now that his kids are a little bit older, I wouldn't be shocked if he steps away and either goes back to the high school route as a head coach or, you know, makes a decision, which he's had two chances already to go, and he hasn't gone to the NFL. Uh, you know, the Niners wanted to hire him two years ago. I mean, he, he's a great teacher, and nobody can dispute that. Um, just, just ask around and just ask anybody. He's just not a recruiter, but I would definitely love to be 
I'd love to see Baker move on and get some, get a better opportunity for himself. Uh, a lot of Division One jobs, lower tier Division One jobs, are going to be open, and a couple there's two in Louisiana that are probably going to be open as well. So I wouldn't mind seeing him move on. Uh, but one guy that I would hope that it, he's going to be available, he has a huge interest in coming back home, so to speak, and that's uh, T. Rob. Uh, I really hope we get a chance to bring T. Rob in. Um, I, I know Will runs a different defense than Manny runs, but what he brings to the staff in terms of as a recruiter, um, it, this guy is—he's just a phenomenal. He's—I he, I think he's better than Corey Raymond, to be quite frank. But I would love to see T. Rob uh, come on staff in some capacity. I just think he'd be a great fit in our community as well. To be honest with you. All right, everything. Thank you as always for being part of the show, man. We'll talk be to well, you. I'm sure, okay, I'm sure we'll baby. talk. I'm sure we'll talk again next week. All right, five six three nine 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 three five five zero five six three nine 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 three five five zero. You hit the one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Let's go to the three two one three two one. You're live on Kane Sport Live. What is happening, Gary? Can you hear me? I can oh, hear you. Okay. Who's this? Oh, this is Tony. Tony. What's up, Tony? How you doing, Gary? Doing good, What's doing up, good, man. man. Uh, not much, Talk man. to us. Still finishing up at work. Um, yeah, I haven't talked to you guys since uh, before the Clemson game. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm not gonna talk about the Clemson game. Um, yeah, man. Uh, you know, I've been uh, happy with us winning games. Um, I believe Cersei touched on my point earlier. Is that uh, you know, we've been having a lot of people having problems with the season and how we've been winning games. But the same way we're winning these games, we were losing these games the same way last year. You know what I mean? We're well, you, you, we're you, you've, you've probably heard me say this before, but, like, when you're life and death to win every game, you're going to win some, you're going to lose some. And right now, the, the yeah. cycle's on the right side of the fence for us. You know, and, you know, first time What are you, I at a nightclub? Um, I work at a bar. <laughs> oh, okay. But um, we're we're closing down. Nobody's really here. I'm gonna step outside so it's not so uh, noisy. But um, yeah, the first um first few games, you know, the first game we want a close game. I'm like, all right, we want a close game. Eh. Second game, like, eh. then the third time they did, I was like, all right, you know, now they're showing us that at the least we're learning how to win games consistently, and. It, it brought up something to me because I was I was kind of on a seesaw because I love Manny Diaz. Don't get me wrong. You know, I don't want to, you know, bring anything negative out of this. But, you know, at Miami, we're a big-time school, you know, and I've always felt like we need a big-time coach. We're talking about how Manny can't recruit, and we're at Miami, and we need to recruit to be Clemson. But I'm not going to go down that road. Um, you know, we, we have Manny. This is his second year. He's obviously made improvements. And, you know, I'm just happy with seeing us win. You know, um, are we going to make a jump after this? That remains to be seen. But right now, we're really just happy watching us win games we're supposed to win. Like, yep. we weren't doing that last year. We were losing games we were supposed to win. So, yep. Uh, and, and I think they're handling so, COVID as well as anybody in the country. And I think that has a lot to do with it, too. Better than a lot of people, man. And um, you know, if, I know you do interviews. In one of the interviews, they talked about how, um, I guess the president of Miami um has been to three pandemics. He specializes in infectious diseases. So, yep. um, you know, it took a while for it to catch up to us, but when it did, it did. 
Um, yeah. You know, but I'm just, uh, you know, I want to see what happens. You know, I, I have two, I'm kind of like a Gemini on this situation. I have one side of me, it's like, man, he can either do it or he can't do it. But the other side of me is just going to watch and see what he does or what he has. But um, all the same, I'm still going to be a cane. I just want to see us elevate to the next level. And if that has to be with what Manny does, then, you know, I'll be happy with that. I'm not going to be biased. I want to see the Canes win regardless. Um, but it's going to tell the North Carolina game. Because um, if you remember last year, um, the first two coaches we went against were, were both coaches that had uh, – Manny had coached underneath, you know what I mean? So, you know, and he, he battled – we battled both of those games. You can tell, um, you know, they didn't have a clear – super advantage over him, but I just think when we play North Carolina this year, we're really going to see if um, Manny Diaz has made an improvement against coaches that have already, that already know a system that he's already coached underneath. Um, so I, I want to see, see that this year for sure. But um, I'm not going to – all right, have a good night. All right, I'm all right, gonna, you know, lay, sit on here all night. I just wanted to bring that, those points across and uh, get on and probably say hey to you guys. Thanks, uh for having the show, and, um, you know, I appreciate hearing everybody that gets on here and speaks this game football. Hope you have a good night. All right, Tom. Well, uh, hit us up again uh, next week. For sure. Take it easy. Yep. Yep. Sounds like he's got a fun job there at the club. All right, 563-999-3550. Hit one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Now we are going to go down to the 845. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Yeah, Gary, how you doing? Hey, what's Greg. up, Greg? How you doing, man? I'm doing well. Okay. Um, I want to start. I just saw that uh, Notre Dame's game canceled for next week because they didn't want them to have to play when Clemson is off next week. So who were they supposed to, to play? I didn't see that. Who were who were they supposed to play, Greg? Wake Forest. Yeah, you know, Wake Forest is having a lot of COVID problems. And I, I think that, that they're just happy to call it quits, to be honest with you. But, you know, yeah, I'm surprised Duke wanted to play this week. I really am. Like, like I, I think at this point, if you're not playing for something, I think you're going to continue to see teams just throw up their arms and say, you know what, we've, had, we've, we've, we've done enough. We've had enough. We got seven games in, eight games. You know, let's just let's not push the envelope. Give the kids a break and call it quits. Because you know, you got to remember these kids that they didn't train properly for this season. Uh, it's it's been. I talked about this earlier, like just incredibly stressful. Uh, you know, big strain, mental strain on them. And and you know, a team like Wake Forest that now is not really playing for much is probably very happy to just be done. And you, that's why you're seeing a lot of the lower level bowls get canceled too. All right, let me ask you a question. What if, I know this isn't going to happen, but what if Clemson lost this week? We'd be ahead of them. So would they tell us not to play North Carolina next week? No, I think we would play North so Carolina play, next week. And, and, and if we win that game, I think we would be in the championship game, yeah? Okay, but why would we have to play if Clemson, I mean, if Notre Dame doesn't have to play this week? I don't understand. Um, I I think the league would be pushing Miami and North Carolina to play a little harder just because 
they owe TV a certain number of games, and that's a that's a good TV game. Okay, all right. Let me. But uh, but I wouldn't be shocked if our Georgia Tech game didn't get didn't get played on the last week of the year. Uh, I mean, I don't I don't see any point in that personally. We we debated it on okay. the message boards this week, but I I just you know, I don't see any point in going and playing Georgia Tech that the, the last week of the year on the, December the nineteenth. Okay, what happens if Clemson beats Notre Dame in the championship game? Okay, yeah. and then Florida beats Alabama in the SEC. Florida would get into the Final Four. So would Clemson, so would Ohio State, and so would uh, Alabama would probably go. So that means we could possibly play Notre Dame in the Orange Bowl. I guess that could happen, but I don't think it will. Uh, I think the loser of the SEC will play in the Orange Bowl. I think Notre Dame would be coming at large for possibly like the Fiesta or something. But I also would not rule out Notre Dame getting in over Ohio State. In, the, in a scenario like what you just mentioned. So you don't think we're, we're, Alabama would go to the Final Four even if they lost to Florida? I, I, no, I do, I do think Alabama would go to the Final Four even if they lost. That's my point. So if you have Florida in the Final Four, Alabama in the Final Four, Clemson in, in the Final Four, and you know now you're picking between Notre Dame and Ohio State, uh, I don't think that's so clear-cut, a one-loss of Notre Dame, uh, you know, that – that split with Clemson, the universally, con- you know, considered number one team. I mean, you know, let's uh, let's take a look real quick. I want to see what Ohio State's got in store for themselves here over the next few weeks. I mean, you know, they're they're what's so, what's so great about their resume? They they've beaten nobody. Uh, the Maryland game just got canceled. They, you know, Indiana was was an artificial ranked team. Let's be honest. Uh, now they had another game canceled. They've only played four games. And so, you know, Michigan State and Michigan, they're not going to have any – they're not going to have a resume. Even if they end up playing all six games, they're going to they're gonna have played six games and beaten nobody. Notre Dame will have beaten Clemson. I'll tell you right now, I, I think in that scenario that Notre Dame gets a one-loss Notre Dame might just get in over an undefeated Ohio State. There's no way to keep in the Big Ten out if Ohio State's undefeated. Not a chance. Well, let's see. Give, let's How do you put a team? Point. What if they only play five games, Greg? What if, you know? What if? What if? No, what if they don't? They're going to be playing seven games. They're going to play the Big Ten championship game. Okay, good. All right, good point. But but what if these next couple games get canceled? You know, what if one of them? They've the already had. They've already uh, had, had cancellations two of the last three weeks. What if mid, what if Michigan State or you know or Michigan gets canceled? You know, I don't know, what to that, tell you. you know, we'll see. I mean, you know, so what they're going to go play? I guess North Northwestern in the in in the championship game, and that's going to be their signature victory. Like, it, 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 I, you know, I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know. All right, me. Let me. Can can I Northwestern talk about or Wisconsin. Who do you want to talk about? Leonard. But Leonard Taylor. Leonard Taylor, I believe, is going to be the best D lineman we've recruited in decades. Put on his tape for the last game he played. Palmetto yeah, I, I love Leonard Taylor. I, I think he's potentially elite. Leonard Taylor is a beast. Yeah, I agree. I, 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 
I think he's got more potential than the high school recruit probably we've had in a while, but like, you know, we'll have to see how he develops. Well, according to 247, he's the third ranked player in the country. That's a lot more accurate than rivals 39. They have your buddy Sapp from uh, St. Thomas ranked ahead of him. That's the biggest. They should be arrested for that. But anyway, uh, one last point about your buddy Mario. It's not that easy without Justin Herbert, huh? He lost I, I don't think the you know yeah yeah but I don't think the quarterback's the problem. The quarterback's not bad. He's a good young quarterback. He's not at Justin Herbert's level yet, but he's a good young quarterback. He's not costing them that he didn't cost them that game. The guy that I mean, although that one interception was horrendous. The problem they have is they can't play defense. They lost um, two or three top defensive backs, so their secondary is horrendous. Uh, their, their defensive line, for whatever reason, is underachieving. And they got caught. Listen, they got caught. Night game on the road against the rival that's not as bad as people think. And they had a chance to seal the game. All they had to get was a first down, and they didn't do it. Very similar to how they lost, the, I think, uh, I believe it was uh, the Auburn game last year. They, you know, it, it, they, you know so, and sometimes the close games, you don't get it done, and you lose. Uh, uh, by the way, Everything's worried about Duke. They've given up 112 points in the last two games. Who I know. I was trying to tell them that. What defensive players do they have? What is they, he talking uh, about? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, they, they have a good, they, they have a good defensive end, but yeah. No, they're they're, they're going to be they're very overmatched. I agree with you. All right, I'll let you go. We're going to win. We better win by 30. Anyway, All right, Greg. Thanks for calling in, as always. Today. You too. Let's go to the 678. You're live on Kane Sport Live. 678, you with us? Going once, going twice. All right, man, I hope you win that argument. Let's go to the 706. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Gary, how you doing, man? Hope you had a good Thanksgiving. This is your boy, Sebastian. Hey, what's up, Sebastian? How you doing this week? I'm doing pretty good, man. I'm sorry I got to the show a little bit late, so you probably just going to have to fill me in. So what's the story on the uh, linebacker Terrell Lewis that, or Terrence Lewis that just decommitted from uh, Tennessee? Yeah, we don't think he's coming to Miami. We we think he's going to Texas A&M or Auburn right now. I think so, too. So I guess the other question I wanted to ask you is, what are our chances with the St. Thomas inside linebacker, Jaden Hood? especially if Jim Harbaugh is not going to be in Michigan anymore. Yeah, we, you know, we've been thinking that that kid was going to, going to, going to flip to to Miami for a while, but like he hasn't done it. So I don't know, you know, I don't, I can't really, I can't really say there to, to be honest with you. I mean, I, we, we think it's alive. I mean, it's, 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 it's something that's definitely not dead at this point, but not really I'm sure. Just wondering if we, I'm just wondering if we, you know, have a good season, maybe have an upset in a bowl game or whatnot. What are some of this local talent that may just want to take a second look at Miami, especially with COVID and everything going on? I was just thinking that he was probably one of the kids that may, you know, may want to just take a look. Because believe it or not, I actually think he's a better product, prospect and a better fit for Miami than that Terrence uh, uh, kid. Terrence Lewis. Um, 
Yeah, from Terrence Lewis. Nothing against the Terrence Lewis. I mean, I really don't know him, but I just think for the kind of culture Manny's trying to build. Yeah, I, I agree. Think, with you. Uh, uh, Hood is going to be the next person. I guess the other question I have is recruiting base too. Is uh, what are our chances with uh, the offensive tackle from Trinity Christian uh, up in Jacksonville, Peyton Barber, and also um, that cornerback from um, from Pensacola that decommitted from Tennessee? I just see them as high caliber caliber character kids that I think will fit good in the program. Any chances with those guys? Uh, Barber, um, I, I think that if Miami uh, offers him, that he'll come. But, you know, we okay. just don't know yet if they're going to offer him or not. Okay. And uh, what about the cornerback that's up in uh, Pensacola that did come in from Tennessee? Um any shot with him? We um, you talking about Demarius McGee? Yeah, we we, we I, I mean we've we've always considered him a long shot. Um, you know we'll have to check back in with him and see if, if that's changed. But up to this point, we've considered him very much a long shot. But they have yeah. not stopped. Recru- they have not stopped recruiting him. You so. know, and I, I think they should keep keep you know keep swinging at it. I mean, I just. I just for some reason I just I just feel that you know I'm not I'm not looking to bring in a recruiting class that's going to win us a national championship next year but I mean I just feel like the success on the field I think Miami I mean I'm a realist now I, I think we need about like two or three years of just like eight nine ten win seasons or whatnot and just building the right culture within the program will get us there. And, I, mm-hmm. I mean, I could easily see us being able to put a product on the field that can compete with Clemson in about two years. But it starts by getting, you know, you know, maybe a hood from St. Thomas, that McGee kid from Tennessee and um, up from Pensacola. You know, just you, you're going to have to start. Yeah, the, 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 the problem is, 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 is this. The problem is that um, Clemson is recruiting better than that. So – you know, until we can start recruiting better than that, like, you know, we, we sit here, we do, you know, um, uh, Greg was talking about Leonard Taylor, you know, until we're putting four or five Leonard Taylors in a class and we're doing it more than once and, and, you know, taking what we're doing now, like, like this year we got Leonard, Leonard Taylor and we got James Williams who are considered like, you know, difference making type of athletes, you know, Clemson's getting a half dozen of those every year. And, you know, you know, that's the thing. Like you're talking about three star kids that we're hoping to develop into good players and you're trying to compare it to what Clemson's doing. And it's hard to do that on on the face value of how they look coming out of high school. Well, I guess the point I'm trying to make is, you know, Clemson didn't get there overnight. And, and what I mean by that is, you know, they 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 hovered around the eight, nine win mark for a while. And then they had some successes in, like, bowl games and stuff, like that upset of LSU and, like, the Chick-fil-A Bowl and stuff like that. And, and that's how you build the momentum to where you get to a point where you, you begin to win. win uh, uh, easy for Alabama to come down here. I mean, Nick Saban, I mean, he has almost two fingers where he can show championship rings on a dining room table to tell a kid to come to Alabama. And, and and it's not going to be a hard sell for a kid to get there. But for Miami, I just think that there's just so much talent in South Florida 
that just I feel like a couple years of success, like I'll be satisfied to go the next three years winning nine games, you know, and a couple of upsets and a couple of bowl wins or whatnot to really get us on a playing field to compete against Clemson because the reality of the fact is, and you probably agree with me, is Clemson don't have, South Carolina doesn't produce a lot of five stars. Not like state of Florida does or South Florida does. Yeah, so, I mean, I I'm just like, I mean, I'm not trying to you know dump rain on. It. I'm just saying that this has got to keep getting better. Like this, what what we're seeing right, right now has to has to be a build has to be a building block, not the final destination. Yeah. Like yeah. you know, yeah. okay, we, we went six and seven last year. We're doing much better this year. The program's taking a step forward on the field. Okay, recruiting. All right, we 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 we've been losing all the best players from Dade and Broward County. This year we got two of them. Um, you know, we got Leonard Taylor, we got James, James Williams, assuming nothing changes, you know, that's a step forward, but like, these are building blocks. These aren't final destinations by any stretch of the imagination. I pointed out earlier when we were talking about this, that there's 17 top 100 players just in the state of Florida and, and James Williams and Leonard Taylor are the only two that Miami's getting. So, you know, Alabama's coming into Florida and getting more top hundred players than Miami. So like, that's what has to change. And, and you know, like I said, get, going from zero to two is forward progress. Just got to keep building on it. Hey, this is my last comment, Gary, and you put me on hold. Okay. If you had your dream prospect this year that you would, you would say, man, if Miami got him, they got a game changer. I mean, we got two of them, but they got a game changer this Finalize his recruiting class. You, you talking about what's reality? Um, you talking about reality or pipe dream? I'd rather talk no, reality. I'm talking about, I'm, I'm, I want I want to talk reality. I mean, okay, I well, reality is is unquestionably Mason Smith. I mean, number one prospect in the country in 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 you know with rivals, and it's LSU and and we think right now Miami's number two. So if they could somehow steal that kid from LSU, which is asking a lot, um. That would be exactly what you're talking about. Wow. See, I differ with you, but I'm glad you share that with me. I just think that Garcia kid at quarterback. That's not happening. I don't think it's happening. We have never felt like, and I know everyone's been chasing him on social media and the whole thing. We, as an entity covering recruiting, have never felt right. that that was any even close to really, really happening. Now, maybe we end wow. up being wrong. Maybe he ends up in the signing class, and that would be great. But we have never seen any sign that he was just keeping in touch with Miami as a fallback plan in, in case the house blew up at USC. So so, so, are you telling me that on signing day, if, if, if Miami inked that guy and we signed him out of the state of Louisiana, you would probably create a special show to talk about how we pulled that off? Yes, that would be a game for you. Be the, okay. It would be the biggest recruiting win at this program. I'm trying to think, who's the last time we got a recruit like that? Was it? Uh, I mean, Kyle Wright was. You know, he didn't pan out, but he was like that type of prospect. Um, obviously, back in the day, Jesse Armstead was that type of prospect. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, this, okay. this would be this would be a massive win. Okay, I appreciate it, man. Good show, man. All right, man. Um, I hope we turn. I hope we, you know, show up on Saturday. And uh, I just want us to finish the season strong and just win the bowl game. I mean, that that'll do it for me this year. That'll do it for All me right. this year. Keep me on hold. Man. 
You got it. Thanks and, uh, for being part of the show. Give us a call we'll next week. Right. You got it. Let's go to the 917. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Gary. What's up, BK Hurricane? Hey, what's up, BK? How you doing this week? What's going on, man? I'm doing okay. Listen, you were absolutely right about that Ohio State thing. Um, they're not getting in because of some archaic rule that the Big Ten has. I think they're eliminated from the championship game because there's some rule you have to play seven games. Oh, really? I, I kind of heard yeah, it. Wisconsin and Ohio State are eliminated. So you, it's going to be a weird Big Ten championship game at Lucas Field. <laughs> It's kind of crazy because yeah, I know. I just like if Notre Dame splits with Clemson, Notre Dame is in. I got to think they're in. Yeah, and 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 Clemson's and Clemson's in. There's no way they keep Notre Dame and Clemson out. So we'll potentially have two unquote ACC teams in, and I don't think Florida's beating Alabama. So you might see Texas A&M slide in there if they if they went out. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a possibility. Did you see? Did you see the? Did you see the rankings? How they put um um Iowa State in front of us? And uh... <laughs> yeah, I did see that. Well, you know what? I mean, if you look at our body of work, we've had a lot of close games against some not really great teams. So, but they, but they doesn't um wait. Did they have two losses? Iowa State? No, I think they have Iowa one State? loss. Don't they? Don't they have one? I think. It's let me try no, to take. Well, they lost to Louisiana Lafayette, and they really didn't beat anybody else. <laughs> look at the, look at their conference. That's yeah, I'm, I'm pulling up. I'm, pull, I'm trying to pull up the rankings right now. Their conference is horrible. They, I mean, granted, like, I mean, I just don't understand. Well, you know what? You're you, you you know what? You're right. Yeah, you're right. I yeah, hadn't really paid that much attention. They, they yeah, they they also put Georgia ahead of us, which you know, I mean. Right. I think Georgia if we, we played if we played Georgia, we would probably be an underdog. Right, but I the thing the thing I like about the, the the playoff uh, selection committee rankings is that I think that they have good criteria. Like they look at a lot of different angles and a lot of different things, and they're they're trying not to be cookie cutter. And you know, I think putting us at number ten is fair. You know, I don't know. I, mean, I think you're making a legitimate point about Iowa State. I'm not debating on if it's fair for us. I'm debating on does Ohio State deserve to be there? Like at number nine. Like I'm not saying we should be number nine, but it, but it wouldn't have surprised me if they threw in an Oklahoma. But you know what I'm saying? Because Oklahoma is, is, is Oklahoma. <laughs> Iowa State <laughs> didn't beat anybody. Yeah, and and the fact that they that they lost to Louisiana Lafayette, even though they got they're they're ranked I guess number 25 right now, should have eliminated them. Exactly. Just by it, by itself, yeah. Like, now the you know, like the, <laughs> I yeah. I mean, Any, anything weird in 2020, I'm blaming it on COVID. I mean, they beat Oklahoma, which was a good victory for them. You know, right. we don't have a, we do not have a victory like that. Right, we don't have a signature victory. No, um, but they've they they're one and two in the top 25. That should not have been good enough to get them ranked ninth with two losses. I, I think you're making a great – I mean, I hadn't studied their body of work till right now. I, I think you're making a great point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, but, but the Big Ten is pretty much eliminated from that college football playoff because yeah. of that archaic rule that the Big Ten has. Maybe if you could have seen Ohio State and Wisconsin in the championship game, then 
then they probably could have said, oh, Ohio State beat Wisconsin. Wisconsin's a good team. I mean, granted, you know, the whole decimated by COVID and, 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 and the quote-unquote bad loss to Michigan State, but still, that's a pretty good-looking team. You know, and they're, and, they're, and they're rounding up a bunch of five stars for some strange reason. I can't figure it out, but, you know what I'm saying, a lot of good five stars from the Midwest are, are, are committing to uh, – to uh to Wisconsin as opposed to Michigan, which I I can't wrap my head around that either. But you know, I'm looking at these rankings for the first time right now. I mean, I knew we were ranked number ten, but I hadn't really looked at the rankings. There's some goofy stuff in here. Like, you know, you've got <laughs> That's what I'm saying. you've got a six and three North Carolina team ranked seventeenth over a three and zero USC team at twentieth. Exactly. And, I mean, that's crazy. You got a 7-0 Marshall team ranked 21st. Like, you got teams with three losses ranked ahead over undefeated teams. Washington 3-0. and Well, you know, it's it's bizarre. I'm blaming it all on COVID, Gary. Just like I said, this is a weird. This is a weird season for college football. I'm already looking forward to to uh, a bowl season. I know it's going to be a condensed bowl season because more and more of these bowls are going to close out so you'll see the power six and maybe some other big name bowls but other than that on top of that yep it's it's gonna it's gonna be a wrap well but to you know, teams don't gonna... team teams don't want to practice for an extra month and go through all the COVID stuff to go play in Shreveport like they're not right. like nobody nobody wants to do that and the Shreveport the bowl games don't want to go through it and so it's becoming easier to just cancel those games yeah it is it is it is but um uh, real quick, like, are you having a? Are you going to have like a, like a signing day um, show or or no? Uh, yeah, we, we probably we probably will. We'll 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 take a look at that. Uh, I mean, I'm not sure if we'll do two different shows or whatever because that'll be coming off North Carolina. So we'll 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 see what happens. We'll figure it out. But yeah, we I mean, we, will def- we, we, we will we will definitely what 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 we'll probably do is is. Um, I and mean, we we'll probably combine them. I mean, we'll see. You know, we'll do we'll do it to, to Tuesday like always with the signing day's Wednesday. So, I mean, the the class right, has been sounds... set for so long. There's really not a ton yeah. to talk about. We talked a little recruiting tonight, Matt and I, and you know, just sort of touched base on it. I I don't I just don't think there's going to be unless we're getting Mason Smith. Yeah, you know, well, but speaking of that though, um, that call I'm not sure who it was uh, was right. Like everything, I'm not sure if it was him or not. But that Savion Collins kid, uh, the Allen Hay kid, and the yep. Thaddeus Franklin kid, I don't yep. think they're going to be in this class. Yeah, I don't know. Anything could happen with they, those. They're kids. playing too many games. They're playing games. They're playing too many games. I think Manny's going to, you know, I think we're going to pull a rabbit out of our hat for for somebody. I don't know who that somebody is, but we're going to pull somebody. At the end, like we did last year with Avante, and you know we'll figure it out the rest of the way. But those three kids have been playing games from the very beginning. Yeah, they really have. I agree, especially yeah. Thaddeus Franklin. Committing, decommitting, committing, decommitting. We should just be done with them at this point. You know, we should be we should just be done with them. I mean, we're good at we're pretty good at at running back this year because there's a good chance Robert Burns will come back for the sixth year. He hasn't started. He might as well stay on the team, like and earn a good master's degree or something like that. So, like if if we don't sign a running back now, we could sign two next year. So, you know, it wouldn't be too bad because we have good quality young running backs on our team. So, that losing Thaddeus Franklin is to me, I could be wrong. What do I know? Is not that big of a deal. Yeah, I agree. But yeah, 
Yeah, but keep me on though. Let me give somebody a chance to get on. But Gary, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. As always. All right, man. Uh, th- thank you as always for being part of the show and uh, give us a call next week. All right, cool. All right, 563-999-3550, 563-999-3550. You hit the number one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Um, if you do, um, we're getting pretty deep into it here, so now would be the time to, to jump in the queue. Uh, let's go to the 504. You're live on Team Sport Live. Hey, Gary, how you doing, man? Doing great. Who's this? Hey, man, it's Roland. Hey, what's up, Roland? How you doing this week? I'm good, man. I'm good. Just uh, traveling a little bit. I said, let me just call. I forgot. I didn't even remember to get the show. But that, that, that kid um, that decommitted from uh, University of Tennessee. What's what should what's, I don't even know anything about him. You think he's Terrence going to Miami? Or, no, we don't. We yeah. think he's going to Texas A&M or Auburn. Wow. Um, <laughs> well, it seems like every every time you have a show, man, it's like. But, no, I mean, that's not a big deal, Roland. Roland, that's not a big deal. I mean, I personally think the kid's overrated. I mean, and and they had they have never really been recruiting him that seriously. I know they do. But if the kid's going to be a pro- potential problem, you're better off not recruiting him. But they have been, okay. they've been trying to get him. I mean, they have. They have. I mean, this is not a case where they've just totally blown it off. Like, they, they have been trying to get him. So... Hmm. And what about uh, quarterback? Do they have uh, any big? We don't. We don't. We, we don't. We don't know what what's going to end up happening there. You know, maybe transfer portal you, again. You, you made a great point. You was like, my, my, until Miami can bring that, you know, that that go to quarterback, that big time quarterback, it's just going to be the same old same old. Yeah, I mean, saying, you, know, you know, we got lucky this year in in getting King. You know, which is obviously yeah. good luck, but you know that's not going to happen every year. You know, you're not going to get a quarterback of this caliber in the transfer portal. No, I, I believe you're right. You're 100% right on that. So, so we'll see. You know, I maybe Tyler Van Dyke ends yeah. up being that dude, but we just don't know yet. And where's, where's he? Where's he from? Thank you, Van Dyke. Connecticut. Okay. All right. Well. Well, just keep me on hold, man. Yeah, great show all the time. Uh, I, I listen in. All right. Thanks, Roland. Thanks for being part of it. All right. Final call for calls, 563-999-3550. You hit the one on your keypad if you decide you want to come on the show. Uh, let me address uh, some of these uh, questions that came in on the message boards at canesport.com. Uh, why an 8 o'clock kickoff this week? Uh, that's purely for television. Uh, filling the, the TV slot, and uh, that's why that was set at eight. Um, any intel on how Tyler Van Dyke is looking as a quarterback and how his development is going? Um, well, the talk has all been good. I mean, th- there's been no negatives. Nobody has said. I've, I haven't heard anybody say one bad thing about Tyler Van Dyke. But since we have not been able to watch practice this year because of COVID. Uh, we don't personally know for sure. Like, you know, typically, like I was able to watch Tate Martell and pretty much tell you guys that kid's never playing at Miami, no chance. Um, I can't tell you anything one way or the other on on Tyler Van Dyke because 
um, we haven't been able to be on the practice field this year because of COVID. So uh, we got to take the word of the coaches and some other people that, you know, he's he's progressing well on the practice field. Uh, Would love to see him get in one of these games down the stretch, maybe Saturday against Duke, maybe against Georgia Tech. It would be great to see that kid, you know, get a little game action, let him get a quarter, a quarter and a half and see what he can do. I mean, the Cozy Perry's had the chance to play uh, a reasonable amount of football. So, you know, we'll see if it plays out that way. Uh, um, But, you know, beyond that, there's really not a ton that we could say right now on Van Dyke. Regarding support staff, um, is the Kane staff better or comparable to most teams? Um, how does it compare to SEC schools? It's a very important aspect of the program. Uh, yeah, no, it, it is, and support staff is critical. The, the The thing is, it's it's a very difficult thing to compare. So any answer that we would give you about support staff would be subjective. There's just no real way, you know, to compare it. Like, you know, how, how are we going to compare the recruiting coordinator here to the recruiting coordinator at Clemson? We don't really get to see the recruiting cl- coordinator at Clemson do anything. We don't know. Is it the coaching staff that's responsible for their recruiting? Is it the recruiting coordinator? Um, just a really hard conversation to have. Um, I, I think the support staff is okay at, at Miami. I, I, you know, I, I really like if you want to, as an extension, go into the, the strength room. I, I, I like what we see David Feely do. Um, I think the training staff at Miami is very good. Um, you know, there's, there's still some things I would like to see done in the recruiting office. Um, I, you know, I think that some elements of it are really, really good. Um, some elements of it could 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 be better. Uh, I think that's one area of the program that has really been underachieving for many many years now, and I would love to see it addressed. I I, I couldn't have been a bigger proponent um, at the end of last year about Alonzo Highsmith coming in and working on that area of the program. Uh, it, it didn't pan out. So you know I I don't you know beyond that I'm not really sure what more I can really say about support staff. It's it's not really the kind of thing that's very easy to evaluate and compare to other people. Um, uh, Let's see. Even if Lewis Headley returns for another year, are the coaches searching for his replacement? Um, I think if they're searching for his replacement, it's going to be in the the next recruiting class, not this one. I think uh, Headley has pretty much made it clear to the staff that he is coming back next year. I'm kind of surprised by that decision, to be honest. I I think that as an older guy, if he was just looking out for his football career, maybe it would be the the smart time to go see if he can make the National Football League. But uh, I I think he values education quite a bit, and he has uh, pretty much said and made it clear that his plan is to come back and, and try to finish off his degree. So that would negate the need to recruit a punter this year. So I think you'll see them do that next year. Thoughts on Jeremiah Payton? Um, disappointment, man. I mean, I you know, it, it's it's like, you know, he, he he didn't look like he was an average talent when he showed up, but he's turned out to be an average talent so far. Um, you know, maybe he ends up being like Mark Pope and Wiggins and and busts out next year or whatever. But 
you know, I would say as we near the end of year two, that it's been it's been a little disappointing. And, um, you know, we'll see where it goes from here. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if he transferred. Uh, he can't be happy with the way things have gone so far. Uh, you've got three receivers that are pretty decent coming in in the recruiting class. So it's going to become a more crowded position. And, uh, you know, we'll see where it goes. But uh, if I had to say right now, my thoughts on Jeremiah Payton, it would be that his career at Miami to this point has been um, has been disappointing. Uh, let's see. Next question. Uh, a, li- a little worried about this game against Duke. It's going to be cold. Um, <clears throat> we haven't really played very well off buys. Uh, road game, cold night, super bye week, bad team we should crush, and the COVID taking out some of our players. Yeah, I mean, you could put all those worries into the equation. Uh, I think Duke has bigger worries. I, I think that they've gotten their butts kicked. They've given up 56 points the last two games. Uh, those kids got to be done. I, I, I can't. I don't. I, I'm amazed. I'm amazed they're gonna be if they, that if they even show up at the stadium Saturday. Seriously, I mean, like those kids can't want to play this game. Uh, I mean, this is not a normal going to play Miami game for Duke. You know, I know they they've beaten Miami two years in a row, obviously, but but this is not the same the way this season has gone for them. And uh, I'm not expecting Miami to have a lot of problems with Duke on Saturday. We'll, we'll see. Um, do we still have a shot at Jason Marshall, the cornerback from Miami Palmetto? I think until he signs, you always have a shot. But we have seen no sign at all that he's going to defect from the Gators. So I would say that we expect, unless that changes here in the next two weeks, we expect him to sign with Florida. Is Navon Donaldson ready to play? How many reps is he good for? I think they would prefer to not play him very much. You know, I, I don't think he's in great shape. Uh, hasn't played football in a while. I, I, you know, we, we talked to, to Coach Justice about him a little bit today. Um, I got the impression that they would prefer that they don't have to really play him a lot. But if somebody gets hurt and they get into a situation, I think they're prepared to put him in. So we'll see how that goes. All right, guys, that's going to do it for tonight. Um, I want to thank Leon Searcy for coming on the show. Great segment talking about his book. Um, if you get a chance, pop over to Amazon.com, uh, Fourth and Dam, um, and uh, take a look at the story of Leon Searcy and some of the ups and downs that he's had in his career. I thank everybody else who participated tonight. The Canes will be at Duke on Saturday. And uh, we'll see how that one goes. And um, just take it one day at a time here as we get down the stretch of the season. So for now, we'll say good night, everybody. <laughs>